You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Call anytime. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy or text. 0457 736 736. This is Mornings, right here on SEN. Yes, very good morning, everyone. Julian King and the chair for Matty White for the final time this week before we hand over the reins to the great Matthew Johns for the Friday edition of the program. Great to have you along on SEN 1170am in Sydney and, of course, across the globe via the SEN app. The open line number to have you will say 1300 01 1170 and the text line 0457 736 736. Uh, nice day in the Harbour City today, tops of 29 and mostly sunny. So had a bit of rain the past few days. Uh, as for the traffic, well, you know, I can't say it was, I was particularly sunny as I raced into the studio here this morning. I got in, I kid you not, about three minutes into the news. Two kids drop-offs in the morning, running low on petrol, had to do an emergency petrol stop. Uh, got to bed late. Sting gig was great, by the way. Thanks for asking. I'll tell you what, if I'm looking that fit at 71 and singing that well at 71, I'll be a happy man. I'm out of breath just singing happy birthday. And he's belting them out. All the classics, Roxanne and... Every little thing she does is magic and every breath you take, a bit of I'm a legal alien, I'm an Englishman in New York and fragile. Beautiful tunes. Uh, it was at the Aware Super Theatre last night. Never been there. They're uh, just adjacent to the exhibition centre there at Darling Harbour. Lovely venue, about 9,000. Uh, but, yeah, had a good night and I woke up. Well, I got home to see that the mighty Sydney Kings trailing by 12. Got up. You know, we spoke to Chris Pongrass, their CEO, yesterday. said, you know, forget about the losses to the 36ers. Forget about the loss to... The Perth Wildcats uh, finals, as they say in the classics, is a whole new ball game. Uh, Xavier Cook showed why he was the league MVP. Now, joining us on the program today, Luke Bratton from Sydney FC will be here. They've found their mojo, the Sky Blues. They've rocketed up to fifth spot. A lot of people are saying that they're in danger of not playing finals football. If that was the case, it might bring down the curtain of the coaching career of Steve Corica with Sydney FC. But I tell you what, three wins on the trot, including the past couple against highly fancied opponents, been the Wanderers and the Mariners. And a few people, I think, might be looking over their shoulders at Sydney FC. Bryce McGain's going to be here. Good to catch up with Brycey. I'll get his thoughts on, you know, this suggestion that do we play three spinners? He's a spinner himself. Is he backing in the spinners? Or, and we'll play a bit of what AB had to say, very revealing on Vossi and Brandy about uh, not that long ago, saying three quicks, spinner, and that spinner's line, in which case you drop Todd Murphy. That is controversial. We'll discuss that on the program today. So Bryce, we're going to talk cricket. And Muddy Russell from Fox League. Be good to catch up with Matthew as well. Well, look, after an agreement was reached around the salary cap and various playing conditions for the NRL, the News Corp papers have revealed that the ARL Commission has tabled a beefed-up deal to the Code's elite stars as NRL boss Andrew Abdo and RLPA chiefs met for talks on Wednesday to finally end the CBA war on the eve of the 2023 Premiership kickoff, So, as a fan, you read that, you wipe your brow and you say, thank God. Although what's interesting about this, and I'll go through some of the details, Brandy this morning said, the article doesn't feature any quotes from Clint Newton. So is this a case again of somebody from the NRL leaking this to the media, jumping the gun? Because remember what happened last time? We've reached an agreement, and then all of a sudden later on in the day, the RLPA counters with the statement saying, hang on, no, 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 we're in advance talks, but we didn't agree on this. 
We hope it's not another case of jumping the gun because the trust relationship between the two parties is dicey at best. Bud Abdo and RLPA bosses, according to News Corp Press, will spend the next 48 hours bunkered down in high-level talks at League Central in a bid to deliver the new collective bargaining agreement after six months of protracted negotiation. So we understand peace is on the horizon. Uh, a breakthrough with this NRLW deal, this multi-million dollar NRLW deal, which has provided a stepping stone to shake hands on the first billion dollar play deal. Or pay deal, I should say. But some of the things been revealed. The final offer, $1.347 billion, a 37% increase in total player payments to the previous deal of 980 The average NRL player's proposed salary will rise by almost 63 grand this season. From a tick under three hundred thirty-nine thousand to four hundred one thousand, minimum salary will rise by sixty-three percent to one hundred twenty k, reaching one hundred forty thousand in twenty twenty-seven. The NRL has pledged to provide one hundred fifteen million to the player benefit pool, including superannuation and injury hardship funds, which we know was a sticking point. And of that one fifteen mil, an extra thirty-two mil has been set aside by the NRL pending RLPA and player delegate feedback on how to distribute the additional funds. Because remember, this is a, a, another, uh, I guess, stick in the mud. They wanted control over how these funds were going to be distributed, the RLPA I'm referring to. All I can say on the surface, well, thank God, if these are to be believed and an agreement has indeed been reached. Strike action we knew was always going to be a bridge too far. And the, the adults have arrived in the room, we think. And the fans, everyone in this room, everyone listening to the program this morning are breathing a collective sigh of relief. 0457 736 736 is that text line number. I caught this in Fox because I know every time you mention the Tigers in the program, uh, it gets a lot of traction. Uh, James Hooper wrote this. He says, with a clock ticking on a Mitch Moses contract decision, worth noting that apparently there's almost well, more than a $2 million difference in the tug of war between the Eels and the Tigers for the services of Mitch Moses. So I know the Tigers are keen on landing a marquee playmaker to help guide the club back to the finals. Prepared to offer Moses a five-year deal valued at around 1.3 mil per season. Parramatta made the grand final. First grand final in 13 years. Little off that mark. Four-year deal around 1.1 mil. So five years at 1.3 mil. The Tigers offer, allegedly. Four-year deal, 1.1 mil. That's what Parramatta are putting on the table. So you do the maths, get out the calculator. The Tigers offer ends up being 6.5 mil compared to the Parramatta Eels 4.4. So $2.1 million difference and another year. And, of course, we discussed this last week. Moses told the media, you know, the decision will be based on winning premierships rather than money. But 2.1's a lot of dough. If you're a Tigers fan, you're prepared to pay $1.3 million over five years for Mitch Moses. Parramatta, are you happy to pay 1.1 mil over four years for Mitch Moses? What's your ceiling? He's a very good player, Mitchell Moses, no question, but he's not Nathan Cleary. He's going to turn 29 in September. He should be peaking right now. And last year was a breakout season, I thought, for Moses. But that's fascinating, which Tigers fans. Are you paying overs to secure the services of a former Tiger in Mitchell Moses? How desperate are you to get him? How desperate are you? Do, do you need him at the club? 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Of course, Peter Bowles, the big story yesterday. You know, it's interesting. Um, and I know Missile was on 
in place of brandy on breakfast yesterday, and they're talking, and people are suggesting, you know, does say does he take legal action against Sport Integrity Australia? There is an assumption, not by everyone. We did our best to clarify it yesterday. There is an assumption, though, that somehow he's out of the woods. That, oh, yeah, negative V sample, therefore, uh, no, I'm sweet, prove my innocence. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Actually, he's a really good explainer on The Guardian today by Kieran Pender, who does some really good work. And he wrote that the initial outpouring of relief that an Olympic hero was not only a doping cheat, tempered by a subsequent statement from Sport Integrity Australia, that Bowles B sample had returned an atypical finding or an ATF. That is not a negative finding, it's an atypical finding. Important distinction. So, yeah, his provisional suspension has been lifted, he can train, he's looking at the worlds, but the investigation remains ongoing. So the race isn't over yet. So there's a few things to, to unpeel here, right? So the A sample tested positive for EPO, an artificial form of EPO, and EPO is naturally occurring, red flag. B sample, atypical finding. So Sport Integrity Australia at pains to clarify that, no, that ATF is not the same as a negative test result. And a lot of people, and me included, were happy to see that when he released his statement earlier this week, Peter Bolt. They think, oh, he's out of the woods. But it's important to, to clarify the difference here. A negative result is not the same as an atypical finding. And there's all sorts of technical standards. I mean, you go through the, the details and the paperwork, it's enough to give a Panadol a headache. But they say, when the result of a B sample do not fulfil the quality and indication criteria described in the technical standards, the, return, the result is returned as negative. And that renders a positive A sample a false positive which is vindication for someone like Bowl who retains their innocence. An ATF, on the other hand, is recorded when testing results are inconclusive. So it wasn't negative, it was inconclusive. And there are a number of reasons why it may come up inconclusive, including the presence of what they call interferences. They say band intensity too low to ensure reliable identification. So it's not entirely accurate then to say, as Bowl did, and we all believed him, that he was hopeful that the process would exonerate me. That's what he said in his words. This morning, I'm relieved to report that it did. But a really important distinction, an ATF is not a positive result, but Bowl and his supporters can take relief from that, but it is not a negative result either. So this process continues. And Sport Integrity Australia's statement indicated that its investigation does remain ongoing. No time frame specified at this stage, although a hearing is scheduled for next month. So, okay, a couple of possible outcomes here. Sport Integrity Australia can determine that Peter Bowl has not committed any anti-doping rule violation, close its investigation, bang, done. And then the nightmare's over. Alternatively, Sport Integrity Australia could reach the view that Bowl's combined positive and atypical finding results suggested still a possible violation and proceed to take action. I hope it wouldn't come to that. If it did, you can guarantee a legal fight would ensue. But then you read in the Sydney Morning Herald, they reported that Bowl had contradictory EPO testing results in 2021. One lab identifying a minor positive, another concluding the same sample was negative. Apparently he wasn't aware of this, Peter Bowl, until now, but may suggest naturally occurring high levels of EPO within his body. So we'll just get wait. We'll just have to wait and see the outcome of this. But I just wanted to double down on this today, saying no, it wasn't a negative result. It was an atypical finding, 
and there is a difference. So the case is not shut. It is set to a different lab for further testing. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number and the open line number today, 1300 01 1170. And we've got another Signal Boost Power Bank to give away two cents. We do. Beautiful. Beautiful. I don't know. Who, who did we give the Kings tickets to yesterday? Tell me the break, but I'll tell you what, if you got there, what a night out. What a night out. Now, to the cricket. It all commences Friday, second test in Delhi. As we mentioned, no one's won there since 87. It was my uh, snap judgment for snap fitness yesterday. So that Australia's going to win the test. Yeah, some glasses half full kind of guys you could ascertain. Uh, Pete Lawler, who's part of our commentary team, part of the team here at SEN, he had this to say. He said, well, Australia's chances in the second test suffered a setback on arrival in Delhi. Mitchell Stark, apparently not totally confident he will play. Remember all the talk was, Nada, miss the first test, he'll be right for the second test. He's not confident he's going to play. Cameron Green doing some training drills. No guarantee that Cameron Green's going to be fit. And if he's fit, no guarantee he's going to bowl. And that has completely upset the balance of this team because they wanted Green to be able to bowl so they could pick their two spinners. Early inspection of the wicket reveals an area sedated in the middle where the seamers pitch. And there's a, a bit of a crack, they reckon, that'll open up right on a good length for spinners. And, of course, you can't ask the, the local curators for any favours, can you? Stark was hoping he'd be available. Selectors are hoping he'd be available. We heard from Scott Boland yesterday saying, I assume Stark would be right. Because he, he damaged that ligament in the MCG test, flew in a few days ago, having that split removed. Hasn't quite, unfortunately, for Mitchell Stark, responded as he expected. And he did say, Starkey, there's a fair bit of restriction there. It is progressing each day. But by his own admission, probably had uh, different expectations coming out of the split. And so it hadn't healed as well as you'd hope. So it's still progressing. He says it's on track. We'll see how it goes. But it doesn't fill you with confidence, does it, as, as an Aussie cricket fan? Because if they win this test, India, trophy's gone because they hold it. Four test series. We desperately need a left arm. We desperately need an exponent to reverse swing. And he goes on to say, Starkey, look, there's still a few boxes to tick. I'll give it a real good test today, see how it comes back and spills. Hasn't tested it yet. And they're down one nil, as we said, but it is all on the line. And selectors are going to be compelled to take a few risks with Stark and the all-rounder Green. And Cam Green in particular, they're keeping him in cotton wool for as long as possible, just to obviously rule out any further damage to that broken finger, which was sustained in that Melbourne test. And the pair bowled in the centre wicket with Cummins and Boland. And we assume Boland's a man to lose his place if Stark is fit. I know this was sort of discussed or thrown out there, but the Daily Telegraph sport yesterday, oh, could the unthinkable happen, drop Pat Cummins? No, no, it wouldn't. If Green comes back, uh, Renshaw would be the man to make way. But David Warner, are you dropping David Warner? I know we discussed this yesterday. He's a very polarising figure, particularly on our text line. And then Alan Border. I don't know if you caught AB's chat with Vossie and Brandy this morning. And he's always very forthright, and I love Alan Robert Border. And I was listening to this as I was, um, you know, trying to suppress all my road rage dealing with city <laughs> traffic on the way in to the program this morning. But the great AB spoke this morning on Breakfast to Bossy and Bandy about the changes he would make for that second test. I know the wicket's going to turn, but I just reckon the formula that for us to be successful... Three quickies, the one spinner. Really work hard on your field positions, you know, where you think you might be getting them out, uh, etc. You know, short catches, you know, 
couple of you know, mid-wicket, you know, just bowl stump to stump and just be relentless, you know, in that sort of uh, tactic. I think that's going to work better for us and trying to beat them with spin. We've tried that forever and ever and it hasn't worked. You know, that formula, I think, is, to me, just not working. We need to go back to what does work and that's with our quickies. You know, it's funny you says that. Michael Kraspovich was saying the same thing. No, three quicks and a spinner. You play to your strengths. Oh, I get that. I've got no problem with two spinners. I think two spinners can work well. But do you agree with Alan Border? Go back to three quicks and play the one spinner. And then if, if you pick Travis Head, for example, rely on the part-time spin of Travis Head and Marnus and, and Smithy, perhaps. I don't know. So if you're picking three quicks, well, presuming Stark's out, Cummins bowling to your two. Right? He's dropping AB. He's dropping Todd Murphy. Unthinkable. He's got seven wickets. You want to drop Todd Murphy? You know, we made this mistake with Travis Head, you know, and I use this quote all the time, and it's really stuck with me. The great hockey coach, former first-class cricketer and parliamentarian, Rick Charlesworth, he said, you can't ignore form. You can't ignore form. So if Stark's not fit, we're going to go with what? Cummins, Boland, and the wild thing, Lance Morris? It's a baptism of fire. Cummins, Boland, Lance Morris, and Nathan Lyon, for example, if Stark's not fit. That's who AB is suggesting we pick for that second test in Delhi. I don't know about that. I think now, this is the thing. We made this point yesterday. They've painted themselves in the corner here, selectors, because they were adamant they got their selections right. It comes to the point now where they have to swallow their pride because it's all or nothing now. If they lose this test, the series is gone. Pick Travis Head. Decide what you want to do with Warner. Give him one more test if you have to. Head has to play. And I think Renshaw... Lost a bit of skin. I thought he was very underwhelming in both innings, and I'm a big fan of Matt Renshaw. Not sure how you could pick him again. If Cam Green's fit, you're picking Cam Green and pray that he can bowl. Tell you what, I'm happy I'm not a selector at the moment. I tend to flip-flop over these selections. I just You cannot fathom the dropping of Todd Murphy. And as loath as I am to disagree with Alan Border, I can't drop Todd Murphy. But Nathan Lyon needs to step up. Get your selectors hat on. We're all armchair selectors, aren't we? 0457 736 736. And Tigers fans too. Mitch Moses. 1.3 mil for five years. So over the course of that contract, there's $2.1 million more than what Parramatta would have offered him. Is he worth it? Is he the missing piece? Mitch Moses. And the open line, 1300 01 1170. I did mention the missile. He's back this afternoon for the run home with Joel K. Where's Bearshead? It's a good gig, isn't he? He just rocks up a couple of days a week. Does a couple of funny promos and on his way. Doesn't he have the life? Jules in the chair for Matty White this Thursday. Take our first break. Yeah, Jules in the chair for Matty White this Thursday morning. You know, James Packer, do you remember that short-lived talk show that he had, James Packer? And I think he interviewed Shane Warne and that was like his only... Was it James Packer? No, no, it was Warney's talk show. Sorry, Warney's talk show, apologies, interviewed James Packer and it lasted like one week or two weeks. And, and he said, best piece of advice I think your father gave you. And James Packer said... Never complain, never explain. And it's kind of stuck with me. And so I'm not one to complain, but I'm going to break that rule today because I just quickly ducked out during the ad break to get a little Nespresso pod coffee. You open the fridge, there is about six to eight two-litre bottles of light milk. Now, I don't know who's doing the milk ordering around here, but who the hell drinks light milk to that extent? Oh, 2 am Tommy does. Tommy too says drinks light milk. You must drink a lot of it because they've got the ratios completely wrong. Right, so if you're ordering milk, you don't go 50% full cream and 50% light. It'll be around 90% full cream and about 10% light. Because there's no full cream, it's about six bottles of light. 
So now I have to cop light milk in my coffee this morning, Thomas. It's not acceptable. I've got a bit of a headache because I got home late after the Stingy last night. That Englishman New York ages well. Great song. 0457 736 736. Uh, Thursday, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Thanks to Chargrill Charlie's. Who needs a win this week? I might pick myself up a nice little schnitty roll and some chips on the way home. I'll tell you who needs a win, the men's cricket team. I mean, that's stating the obvious. So give us your nominations in the open line. Who desperately needs a win this week? And further to that, David Warner needs a win. David Warner needs a win because I think they'll pick him. If he fails in both innings, I'm prepared to say it's his last test match, David Warner. Prepared to say it's his last test match. If he goes out for, say, none and eight, he needs a score. He needs a score. And AB this morning talked about brownie points and, you know, somebody that's represented Australia with great aplomb, and don't mention sandpaper, you know, 100 tests, wonderful batter, no doubt. Um, you don't always get to write your own endings. And his, his test career, David Warner, may end with a whimper. So he desperately needs a win. Uh, in the rugby league game, and on the rugby league front, St. Helens World Club Challenge against the Panthers, of course, are delaying the kickoff to shave about three degrees off the 30-plus temperatures. I'm not sure what difference that's going to make. Uh, that, well, if, if Penrith take this game seriously, St. Helens shouldn't get near them, really, if you think about it. They should not get near them. So they just, I, mean, I know they had a win against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Don't read too much into that. Yes, it's a trial game. And on top of that, I mean, the Dragons played... A few first graders for a half of football and the rest of them were, well, SG ball players, New South Wales Cup players and the rest of it. So there's one. St. Helens need a win. And this is a pretty decent Penrith side. Crichton at fullback, Taylor May, Isaac Tungo, uh, Sunia Taruva, Brian Tuor, Luai, Cleary, Leota, Kenny, Fisher, Harris, Garner, Hosking, Yo. I mean, that is near full strength. You tell me how the Saints are going to beat them. They won't. As I said, if they take this seriously. So who needs a win? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. The Matildas, that'll be nice too. Cup of Nations opener tonight against Czech Republic. Uh, Spain are having a few issues with their coach, but this will be a nice, I guess, fine tune ahead of hosting the World Cup. 0457 736 736. Two cents dared to say your Dragons need a win. Well, listen, I'll counter that two cents by saying I don't think they do because they were very impressive in the charity shield last year against Souths. Got my hopes up and they missed the eight. So if they lose, okay, oh, who cares, mate? It's only a trial. And the real stuff starts uh, very, very shortly. Of course, the Dragons have the bye in week one. So winner, winner, chicken dinner brought to you by our great mates at Char Grilled Charlie's, home of Australia's best Char Grilled Chicken and Chips. Who needs a win? We'll take a break for news headlines. The other side of this, we're going to talk all things cricket, look ahead to the second test with Bryce McGain. Just looking up at the screen and seeing all the tributes coming in for the late, great Raquel Welsh, who passed away. At 82, the legendary Hollywood star. I recall many, many years ago, um, Jeff Boycott, one of England Bat, in commentary. And he said, and I'll do a really bad Boycott impersonation here. He said, he said if someone told me I had a choice between a date with Raquel Welsh and a Test 100, I'm taking the Test 100. And you know what? I'm like to agree with Jeff Boycott because I'm not a big fan of him as a man. But I think he might be right on that one. While we're talking cricket, Bryce McGain, as I say, good morning to you. If you had a choice of a date with Raquel Welsh in her prime or a Test 100, I think I know where you'd choose. Good morning. <laughs> I'd love to be playing the Test, but uh, Raquel <laughs> Welsh in her heyday, wow. Oh, That's going to take some consideration, it. isn't it? You would yeah, think you about would. it, wouldn't you? <laughs> now, listen, you know, I was fascinated um, where the spinners, how close the brotherhood is. So is, talk about three spinners. Maybe you just stick with the two spinners and the two quicks. 
AB is saying, no, drop one of the spinners, stick with what you know, pick three quicks. It's interesting because the electors have a bit of conundrum here, don't they? Because they they backed their plans. They got comprehensively outplayed in Nagpur. You know, do they wave the white flag and admit they got a couple of things wrong? Or do they sort of double down on their selection policy? It's going to be fascinating to see what they do here ahead of the second test and dealing with it all on the line. Well, the two most important fingers in Australian cricket at the moment are, are, are trialling away. <laughs> They've been working yeah. their way through. I'm talking about Stark and also Green. And When you have them available, suddenly your balance of your team is very, very different. Green in particular being the all-rounder. Um, I'm not sure he would have made a difference in terms of his batting in how we uh, manage things in Nagpur. But the fact that we've got his bowling as a third fast option... Uh, gives us the flexibility then to, to play around with our lineup a bit more. It balances things out. And uh, who would have thought he's such an important player? We thought he was, we were blooding him through. But uh, look, here he is. He's a critical player in that bowling lineup, as you say. I think Stark, we need that. We need the firepower, and we, we need to have our our number one firepower bowler, our strike weapon available. Now, he won't bowl long spells. Sometimes it'll be two overs, three overs, those types of things with the ball that's reversing. You can picture him around the wicket, pitching the ball up. But what we do know is that these wickets in the middle, and we saw it at Nagpur, and it'll happen all the way through the series, have been, the, the life's been rolled out of them. So any of the quicks who go back of a length and try and fire it through, it's just slow, it's dead. Mm. And then it's obviously a bit drier up the ends where the Indian spinners are dominating. So that's the makeup of the wicket. It's different. And when when uh, we got knocked over, I was able to see the highlights of the last time we won the series there. Thanks, Fox Sports. Uh, credit to them. <laughs> but we were able to see it. And the wickets were so different. They were so different to what they're playing on now. So... It's all very well to think, oh, we won last time with our quicks. We need to do the same. I, I think it's a different kettle of fish, and we need to really analyse what's happening out there with this pitch so that we're not going in overloaded with quicks, which will just be rolling into the middle of the bat. As a Victorian, I know you've watched the, the uh, development of Todd Murphy very closely, Bryce. Uh, we, even you surprised with his returns and how well he played? I've got to be honest, and I'm not trying to be a, a, a smart smarty pants here, but it doesn't surprise me. And the, the, the five Shield games that I've seen him bowl, he, he has been able to do that, and he challenges all the time. I've actually seen him play even a Premier game. Um, there you go. What a cricket nerd. But uh, <laughs> uh, So uh, just looking at the way he goes about it, he was always going to be challenging, and he, he is a very fast learner. So very quickly, you could see the difference between he and Nathan Lyon. Nathan Lyon was doing what he does well, and that's fine. But Murphy went, oh, no, I need to be a bit quicker. And so after two overs, he then upped his speed, 5Ks, and then he went, ah, this is actually working. This this is more challenging for the batter. This is where I need to be. So he was bowling quicker. They are very different off-spinners. So they're not going to do the same types of things. But he was then quicker with that sort of squarer seam and was a little bit more round arm as well. So there were some adjustments that he made. What, how amazing for a 22-year-old to yeah. be able to pick up those things so quickly, have learned. He learned a lot. He did go over on an Australia A tour yeah. and, and playing some continent conditions. And he just said, I learned so much. And that was after a Shield game that I had a chat with him. And he said, look, I, I learned so much on that trip and realized that you've just got to be adaptable. And I said, you're right, you're spot on. And you can sum it up quickly and then go for it. And he did that in the test match. So credit to him and Australia 
in these conditions really do have, have a viable option and a challenging option for the Indian batsman. Yeah, I heard uh, Craig Howard, of course, a fellow Victorian leggy, his mentor Todd Murphy, said he, he's such an intelligent guy and a really fast learner. And, and this is the thing, so for all this talk about the, this desperation and, and you look at Jadeja's success, and to, to somehow squeeze a left-arm finger spinner into the side, I, I, I go back to the point you make, and Ian Chappell said this, you, you pick your two best. You pick your two best. doesn't matter if one takes it away and one turns it into the batsman. You pick your two best spinners in this case. And at the moment, I would assume it has to be Lyon and Murphy. And as you iterated or pointed out, Bryce, there's enough difference in the way that they bowl Lyon, obviously being more of an overspinner. You know, Todd, a bit more round arm, a bit more side spin as well, and and working on their natural variation. But, you know, AB, and I love Alan Robert, he said three quicks and a spinner, keep Lyon and and drop Murphy. I I don't see how you can do that. You know, you can't ignore form, as they say. They did that with Travis Head, and I think it's going to come back to bite him. Surely they're not going to do that with Todd. No, they couldn't possibly consider that. That that was their their major tick in selection, I think, is it was, you know, probably three ticks and two thumbs way up because... They made the call and they went, oh, you know, it's, we don't, we very rarely play two uh, off spinners. They went with it and it was, a, it was a success. So I don't think you'd want to be straying away from that. Unfortunately, if you wanted to just play one of them, you've got to play the form guy. Yeah. And that's probably, um, that, that, is, that is Murphy. And Lyon, I think, yeah, look, it's a hard way to play cricket. Now, Nathan Lyon, we're talking about the goat here. He's taken 400 test wickets, but he plays every test like it's his first. So he's anxious, he, and he would probably go away from the test and go, gee, I, I didn't get a lot of penetration. Gee, I, didn't, I really didn't challenge those Indian batters. So he might be just stewing over this, this sort of build-up to the second test a little bit because he plays so much on that, on the edge of every test is like his first. So he's so anxious, which is crazy because he's so good and he's so capable, but that's his mindset where Murphy's completely different. He, he's got a level of confidence and going, okay, well, I'll, I'll just go and perform. This is going to be hard and I'll just back that sort of process. So look, they've got Kuhneman flying over there and I know that would be news on the station has been for a few days now yeah. um, after the shield game at the MCG. And they're looking for that, that left arm bowler who bowls, who can be a bit square seam and bowl a bit more round arm than what Agar does. Now Agar is again, He's played in Australia, so he's ripping up the back of the ball and uh, looking to get the ball to drop and turn in that manner. But they have looked towards that sort of angled seam, that type of bowler. And to be fair, Kuhneman has been terrific. Maybe not in this shield season. Last shield season, big tick, was really good and is doing well in the shorter form of the game as well, um, even in conditions that don't really suit him, the big bash and things like that. So it's not a bad selection, They've got a, um, a few quandaries because if you're going to bring someone over like that, you, you're probably looking to play them. So it's, it's quite an um, unusual circumstance where somebody who's been the left-arm orthodox in the squad in uh, Agar is, is maybe overlooked with the, the new one coming across who bowls just a little bit different to him too. Yeah, that style of bowling somewhat neutralised by the lack of bounce in those pitches. Uh, what about the batting here, Bryce? You know, David Warner... Travis Head, you know, Matty Renshaw, how do you squeeze them in? Uh, do you envisage, look, I, I sort of suggested that if Warner fails here, we, we may see him having played his last test match. As much as I hate to say it, he's been a great servant of the game. But, you know, I, I give him one more, but, you know, they need a lot more from the top of the order. He's looking a little lost at the moment. And uh, unfortunately, Dave Warner, from what we see, he was two off 38 deliveries. 
and uh, and was just batting from the crease. Now, what we see when he's at his best, a forward defence is a big forward defence. It's a step forward. It's right under his eyes, and he looks the part. At, at the moment, he's on the crease just feeling and, and, and trying to assess what's going on. A couple of straight balls got him um, in, in the first test. So it, it is a, a little alarming. He should be celebrated. He's a gun. And he's been unbelievable for Australia at the top of the order. But to play with a bit more freedom, I think that's what his success is, not to be hanging around, standing on the crease, hoping to you know, be able to score. He's good with a drop and run. When he's busy, he's just about unflappable. And that's what we need to see from Dave Warner. I was a little disappointed with Usman Kawaja as well. I don't like to pick apart batsmen. That but, shot um, in the second dig was ordinary, though. The front foot it was, and, and, and it went nowhere. It would be... The thing being, Julian, it's, it's way outside his batting plan. So at the start of the game, they would be clear in what they want to do. How am I going to play this? Driving a big ball out of the rough? Come on. There's yeah. no way that's written in his batting plan. So how did mentally he get to that situation and make that sort of mistake? That's what he would be assessing and still just swimming between his flags. He'll play a little bit different to Dave Warner. We know that. But he just needs to be true to that because what it did... It, once he went out, and we've relied on him a lot at the top of the order uh, over the last 12 months in Test cricket, it just opened the floodgates. And then it became a bit of a procession, which was really sad that it, ha- it wrapped up in a session um, in that first test, getting bowled mm-hmm. out for 91. So then, unfortunately, with Matt Renshaw, I think he's a really talented player. And I've seen him in Shield cricket as he's gone back. Yes, he's played Test cricket. He's gone back, looks a lot more composed. He looks stressed. When he was batting, yeah. he he didn't have that same composure and that same I'm the biggest guy around the bat here. It doesn't matter if all these fielders. I'm the guy that can control this situation. He actually looked really stressed. It looked like a really stressful moment for him, and that's not what you want to do as you're going out to bat in the Test match. And look, I hope he gets another opportunity, but he brings the confidence that he needs to um, display because he, he looked all at sea and looked worried and stressed. And we, we we can't afford to have that sort of situation. So hopefully the work that he's been doing is not all about skill. It's probably just about getting his mind right yep. and having that level of confidence. Well, Australians, we have plenty of work to do. Can they do it? Let's hope they can. The second test gets underway, Delhi, on Friday. Always good to chat. Thanks, Bryce. How good's it going to be? Tomorrow, oh, it's going to be on. Beautiful. <laughs> good on you, Julian. There he is. You too. Bryce McGain. You know, I was just walking through the corridors and uh, not in this office, but an adjacent office, uh, another business. There's a dude there that's got his T-shirt tucked into his jeans. The people still, I just found it a bit of a weird look. It's very Seinfeld. A t-shirt. Who tucks their T-shirt into their jeans? Let me know and explain why it's a cool thing. Uh, Premier League action this morning, a belt of a clash, top of the table. And I tell you what, are the wheels coming off the gunners? Man City, 3-1 away. So it was a sucker penalty in the 42nd minute. And that uh, tied the scores after Kevin De Bruyne opened proceedings for Man City in the 24th. And then Jack Grealish and Erling Haaland. There's a suggestion that, oh, is he going to be injured? Is he going to play? My word, he played. And guess what? He scored. He's a freak. So 3-1 to Man City. If we run through this table now, both of them, 51 points. But on goal difference, Man City ahead. In fact, their goal difference is 10 better than Arsenal. So now, you know, they were 50 points, 19 games in. So halfway through the season, we thought it's theirs to lose. Now 51 points. Man United currently sitting in third on 46. And then Newcastle uh, round out the top four on 41 points. Uh, Matt says, AB drinks light melt. I'm all for it. Yeah, I just, look, you know, 
there are bigger things to worry about in this world, having said that, but I just find it odd that I opened the fridge and there's like six two-litre, unopened two-litre containers of light milk. And I said, why are they ordering so much light milk? Who on earth drinks it apart from Tommy Two Cents? But apparently they do. Jason says on the text line, G'day, Jules. Speaking of Sting and the concert last night, what about celebrities that have the same name as other celebrities, maybe sporting celebrities, e.g. Sting the Muso and Sting the Wrestler? That's a good one. It's a bit past my time. Another example, Paul Kelly. There you go. When you talk about Paul Kelly, you're talking about the great Australian singer-songwriter. You're talking about the, um, the Wagga Wagga-born Brownlow medalist, Sydney Swans legend Paul Kelly, or the chief medical officer. So there's a good one. Can you think of celebrities and musos that share their names with sports people? I'll have a think about that during the break. Uh, does the T20 test match start tomorrow from Lee? Lee, I don't know if that's a joke. I don't quite get what you're saying, but uh, please write back and clarify for me. Jules, you're lucky. There's also not oat milk, soy milk. Then there's lactose-free milk, rice milk, goat milk, sheep milk, almond milk, etc. How in the hell do you milk an almond? That's a good point. Last time I checked, uh, not that I put it under the old the microscope, but I'm pretty sure almonds don't have nipples, Pearl. Noosa Bronco, thank you for your very kind words. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, Bondi Jack, I need an ally here. Jules, got to love all the clueless, unastute morons and merkins. <laughs> if you don't know what a merkin is, folks, look it up. Who are death riding your mighty dragons. Placing Benny's boys in the bottom quartile is extremely brave, given they are now united under a reborn hook. One might be tempted to describe such harsh analysis as haphazard with an H. Tommy C. <laughs> Tommy C. Yes. Haphazard or haphazard. Very good. Of course, AB is right. Australia has to play like Australia, not try to be indie with all the spin. We have to play to our strengths, says Paul from Warwick Farm. Well, you know, Bryce McGain made the point. If, if they're flying Kooneman over, yes, I know Swepson's gone back for the birth of his child. You know, are you flying him all the way over to not pick him? But if you're picking him, are you dropping a spinner or are indeed you going to go with three spinners? But if Cam Green doesn't bowl, there's no way you can pay three spinners. No way. Not sure it can happen. Reselections, AB or Julian King, I go AB every single time. Well, that's reasonable. Matt, that's one of our greatest ever cricketers. But even the greats get them wrong. Are you honestly picking three quicks and one spinner? And if that's the case, according to AB, are you prepared then, Matt, to drop to drop Toddy Murphy after seven on debut? If that's the case, you're a braver man than I. Yeah, Jill's in the chair for Matty White this Thursday. We've got a break for news fast approaching on the other side of that. Uh, we'll catch up with our good friend Matty Russell from Fox Sports to chat all things rugby league. Now, we did say off the back of Jason's text about, well, you went to the Stingy Glass night. Uh, you know, c- celebrities that share their names with sports people. So he said Sting the singer, Sting the wrestler. And gave the example of um, somebody else who I can't remember. Then I thought Craig Bellamy, Melbourne Storm coach, also a football player that played for Man City. A couple of Steve Smiths in cricket. What about this one? Steve Rogers, Sharks legend, father of Matthew, new addition to the SEN family. And Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. Have a think about that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number. Call me up. What are you thinking? Second test. Who are you picking? Who are you dropping? We've got a Signet Boost power bank up for grabs. So those texts are rolling in as well. 0457 736 736. You're on mornings with Matthew White, who's not here, but I'm Julian King. Stick around. Yeah, second hour of the program. Jules in the chair for Matty. I was about to say Matty Russell. Matty Russell's coming up very shortly in the program from Fox Sports to chat all things rugby league. In the chair for Matt White this morning. The texts are flying in thick and fast. 0457 736 736. Danny, thank you for your kind words. Uh, yeah, we're talking about off the back of uh, Jason who texted us in the last hour of the program. Uh, you could do, Jules, 
What about sports people with the same name as other celebrities? Sting the wrestler and Sting the Muso. Paul Kelly, for example. He had a great AFL player and the singer-songwriter. A couple of suggestions flying in. Lordy says Jason Taylor, NRL player Jason Taylor, the jockey. And then a few people. Thank you to um, 782 and a Lordy. Cam Smith and Cam Smith. Uh, Matt says AB's a T-shirt tucker. Well, you know what? Normally I don't have time for T-shirt tuckers, but if AB did it, I'd probably follow suit because that's the admiration I have for AB. Even if I disagree with his suggestion that you pick three quicks and drop Todd Murphy. I respectfully disagree with Alan Robert in that front. So as I mentioned, uh, Matty Russell coming up shortly on the program. And I did mention, you know, Tigers fans, 1.3 mil a year for five years for Mitch Moses. Is it worth it? Well, Happy Coruscant, as you know, has been named captain article in the Telegraph today by Fatima Kadu. New West Tigers captain Happy Coruscant admits fans will never forget the cheeky dig. Yes, remember that? He said, oh, yeah, 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 talking about winning a premiership with the Tigers. And anyway, looks it's water under the bridge. But... And he has to say this, and I have no doubt he believes it. Now, he reckons that they can break their finals hoodoo. So I'm not a big one for judging early, says Coruscant. You want to get out of there, play easy, fundamental football, the team we have now. What I'm seeing in training, incredible. He's called them top tier. Got some good competitors, experienced guys who really know what they're doing. So Coruscant believes that the Tigers can break their finals drought. And this one here on the text line. Morning, Jules. As the Tigers supporter, I'm torn about the Moses Brooks topic. Brooks hasn't lived up to his price tag. Has never been behind a Ford pack like this before. Our back line is still light on with strike power. Moses not worth 1.4 mil a year. Who else is out there? If we persist with Brooks and it doesn't work again, then who would we replace him with at the end of 2023? I'm not a fan of Moses after his exit from the club. Yes, I hold a grudge. But for people to say he couldn't get it done at power is a bit of a stretcher. No one beats Penrith when they're on. It's a very good point. We have history of paying over players that do not live up to their price tag or reputation. I don't know which way to go. Yeah, it's it's a head-scratcher, isn't it? It's a real head-scratcher. But if he does come back, well, you're not keeping Brooks, Adam Dewey or Dwayne and Moses, are you? I know Jimmy Smith says, well, if you're letting go of one, you're going to let go of Luke Brooks because Adam Dewey's got time on his side. Anyway, of course, uh, the master coach, the veteran Tim Sheens, is at the helm with the Tigers before he hands over the reins to Benji Marshall. The new captain, Appy Corrissier, had this to say on working with the legendary Tim Sheens. Yeah, I think the last time he coached um, was in like 1876 or something back then. But, um, you know, the game's changed a little bit, but the fundamentals are the same. And he's got Benji Marshall there to, to, to help him out. Probably the biggest thing for myself is his detail. Um, he's, he's very detailed about how he wants things done. And um, I think the good thing about that is everyone knows where the line is. Um, so, you know, they don't cross it. Yeah, so Benji brings Tim Sheens into 2023. I don't know. Some people death riding the Tigers that, well, I can't do worse. I'm going to have an improved year. But I'll, I'll be fascinated to see how they go this season. Much improved pack. Be really fascinated to see how they go. And Tim Sheen's, of course, a noted attacking coach. In 2005, is one of the greatest seasons in history to see from where they came from, the type of football they played, and the champions they unearthed. And I was at that grand final as well. So it's going to be a fascinating watch for West Tigers in season 2023. Just back to the cricket. Uh, I don't know if you caught this from Andrew Wu in the Nine Papers. And it's funny, isn't it? It sort of adds to the whole narrative of, of playing in India. A second test pitch already embroiled in controversy with ground staff attempting to ban Australian media from taking pictures of the strip as another stern examination against spin looms for the visitors. So 22 yards, middle of the R and Jatley Stadium most important piece of land for the next few days, been protected 
with, as Wooey says, commensurate intent by the venue's curators on Wednesday. <laughs> in a sign of how sensitive an issue the pitch has become after the controversy leading into the series opener, ground staff ordered an accredited member of the touring media not to take footage of the bone-dry surface. So they're fiercely protective. They're not allowed to peek behind the curtain. At the end of the day, all this talk about pitch doctoring, they've got 400. The two left-handers who were not first-choice batsmen scored as though it was a, a road. It's all mental games, all mind games. Don't fall for it. Both teams got to play for it. Back your plans, get on with it. I just all this talk about cheating it. Get on with it, all right? No excuses. No excuses. Dimmy on the text line. Travis Head deserves a chance to play, and given the first test wicket played exactly as expected, three spinners should have been picked. Yeah, don't know about that, Dimmy. Now they need to clear their heads, reset, use better footwork, a la Michael Clark, and believe and trust in each other. That has to start with the selectors and coaches. Well, I keep... Going back to this, this thing I've said in the last couple of days, Dibby, and I said, well, if you had a clear-cut plan going in, and I'm not talking about the team and tactics, I'm talking about how you intend to play on these pitches, you can't chuck it on the scrap heap and start again with a new plan because that will not work, and it's shown not to work in previous series. And I'll give the example of Alex Carey. He's got out twice to the reverse, but it's also been effective. And he said, well, you've got to keep backing yourself. You're not going to shelve it now. It's like they talked about Steve Warshell, the hook shop. Ian Chappell, under the captaincy of Bob Simpson, he got out a couple of times to the hook shot. He's a prolific hooker and puller of the cricket ball, Chappelle. one of the best we've seen. And he was told, you know, put it away. And it sort of goes against every fibre of his being to do so, Chappelle. And you know that he had run-ins with Don Bradman. They, the two of them did not get along. But the thing about Bradman, he was attacking-minding batsman first and foremost. In the corridors of power one day, he bumps into Ian Chappell. And he says to Chapilli, ah, Mr. Chapel, I do hope we see that hook shot again of yours sometime soon. If you've got a shot of yours that you know works, you've got to back yourself in. You've got to back yourself in. You may have a thought on that. 0457 736 736. Uh, I haven't counted how many sleeps. I think 2A had told me he's got the calendar here and he's marking off the X's day by day for the start of the rugby league season because he's very, very confident about his chookies. But let's catch up with our great mate to chat all things rugby league. I speak of Matt Russell from Fox Sports. is on the line right now. Morning, Matty. G'day, Julian. You know what? I'm old enough to remember vividly yes. Ian Chappell hooking. That was one of my joys of a, watching sport as a kid. Watching Ian Chappell hook with the unbuttoned shirt down to his belly button. Flamboyance at its best. Well, it's funny you say that. He, he had a few issues with skin cancers. And he says, I blame Richie because Richie was so debonair and everything he did. And he was the first one to have the shirt sort of unbuttoned down to just above the navel. And he said, I idolise Richie Benno. <laughs> so I go, I'm going to do what Richie does. <laughs> no no slip slop slap back in those days. You had those very flimsy, terry-toweling hats, which which will barely cover your eyebrows, of course. <laughs> and so he's been paying the price ever since. But it takes some kahunas, doesn't it, Matt, to to try and hook and pull the likes of Andy Roberts off the chin, but he did it with aplomb, uh, the great IT Chapel, uh, sorry, IM Chapel, I should say. Now, a reported $1.347 billion offer from the NRL to the RLPA. Uh, that is the latest with the CBA negotiations, according to reports in the Daily Telegraph, uh, hoping to stall the talk of strike action from players. Look, I don't know about you, I, I never thought that the strike action would ever take place, and uh, thankfully... If uh, these reports are to be believed, Matt, uh, that shan't be happening. Yeah, I never thought it was going to reach that stage. I know the players had to float that as a possibility when asked directly by media what might happen, but I never 
got the insinuation that was ever going to really develop. I think the Players Association has stood tall, um, talked tough, got what they wanted. I think the game needed to make sure that any spend was sustainable and that was going to take some time, some back and forth. I, I didn't get uh, sucked into it deeply in terms of following the ins and outs, apart from the fact that I think the players are going to be better off than they ever are in terms of men and women, importantly. And the game, hopefully, is going to be able to um, look after them, but also go from strength to strength financially. So I'm quite happy to park it there, knowing that it's going to be sorted out quickly and we can go back to the field like we did last weekend and concentrate on trials and then the premiership proper, which is looming large. You know what? I just got an email advertising that Origin tickets are on sale. I thought, wow, you know the league season's back. When you get an email saying that State of Origin tickets are on sale, it's May 31. That seems a long, long way away to be hawking Origin tickets. Wow. I'm still trying to scratch out my top eight. I haven't even thought about my Origin side, so it hasn't entered my thinking at this stage. But, look, we did have an agreement, thankfully, uh, with the conditions surrounding the NRLW competition, which was much needed and a key sticking point. So, you know, the pace of this negotiation process, Matt, has been glacial, but the important thing, it's going in the right direction. I'm just now waiting for the back of these reports, this reported $1.347 billion offer, uh, to get confirmation from it from the RLPA, because we saw, remember, just before Christmas, an announcement, and all of a sudden the, the Players Association, led by Clint Newton, said, well, no, 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 we're progressing, but we didn't agree to this, so I hope it's uh, not a replica of what we saw just prior to Xmas Day. Now, Happy Coruscant, he's saying all the right things, doing all the right things, says they're training the house down, loves the intensity, you know, spring in their step there at Tiger Town with Tim Sheens, Benji Marshall, the newly appointed captain. He believes, Appy, that the club can end their finals route this year. Look, I suppose he has to say that. I see an improvement, but I can't see them. Really, they can't really do worse. But, you know, is that is that reaching a bit high? Are they biting off more that can chew? Can you see the Tigers making the finals? No, I can't, and I know he has to say that. He's probably got a bit of ground to make up verbally, doesn't he, after (laughs) the grand final celebrations. But, of course, as the new captain there at the Tigers, he's going to say that. He's not playing this weekend, kept on ice for round one. But we do get to see the likes of David Klemmer, um, Isaiah Papali'i play for West Tigers, and with more NRL players in the lineup, they'll be better than they were in week one of the trials when they were dreadful, absolutely diabolical in New Zealand against the Warriors. So um, they'll be a better West Tigers team this weekend, maybe this season, but I can't see them improving to the extent that they make finals. They're up against the Raiders this weekend, start of a doubleheader at Belmore, and I'm looking forward to seeing a couple of young centres uh, play for the Raiders. Seb Chris, Matt Timoko. We know that Jared Croker has returned from that shoulder injury and is desperate to get the 300 games and beyond. I think the league community wishes him well, but there's a couple of talented centres um, in front of him, including Brad Morkos, who played last weekend. So that's the t- assignment for the Tigers this weekend to start a doubleheader at Belmore. Yeah, you talk about the, these young and talented up-and-comers. For me, that's what the trials represent, uh, nothing more. So, you know, it's the second week now of this pre-season challenge. It gets underway tomorrow night, this clash between the Knights and the Eels. Uh, have, have you taken much stock in, in this pre-season challenge and the tournament and the rules and the, and the bonus points? Because judging from what I witnessed on the weekend, I'm not sure many players out in the middle of thinking, gee, I better get an offload here for some bonus points. No, absolutely. Like, I, I like the fact I've tried to add a bit more formality to it. I love the trials regardless. Footy's back, and I watched every game last week and probably will try to do the same this weekend. But the fact that there's 100000 up for grabs, 
look, it's inconsequential to the clubs. That's money for the Christmas party at the end of the year. You and I would, would love 100000 Most of the average punters would. But when you're talking about uh, millions and millions of dollars at a club, their aim is to win or be as successful as possible in round one, not to do anything in these two weeks pre-season to collect the 100 k At least that's my opinion. Uh, but still, it adds an interesting element when they're on four tries or they're on nine offloads with a couple of minutes to play. Can they get another bonus point? I was having a look at the teams that can win the 100K. Well, on top of the ladder in this preseason competition, the Roosters and Manly with 15 points, they play each other mm. this weekend. So you'd imagine the winner there, if they can also pick up a bonus point, will be in pole position. Behind them, four teams on 14 points. But again, the Dogs play the Sharks, and they're two of those teams. So... You know, if you're looking for which team is going to win the um, the preseason challenge, I suppose you're looking at Roosters, Manly, Dog Sharks, even St Helens against Penrith, who both had wins in week one. And isn't that a game to look forward to? The World Club Challenge on Saturday night in what will be a, a warm old Penrith town. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, conditions not exactly favourable to the tourists, but it is what it is. They They blew off the cobwebs against the Dragons. Last week, you mentioned there the Sharks, of course, uh, they showed their commitment to Craig Fitzgibbon only one year at the helm and they've re-signed him to 2027. Do you like this? I like that. They've given him a year. I I think he's done so much good there, not just on the field. They knew who they were getting when they signed him originally. Now to give him a year just to get the lay of the land and make sure, I suppose, the club has done its due diligence. Um, Some people say, why do you need to sign a, a coach for that long? Well, it's just a great show of faith in him. You can uh, relax a little bit and plan around it. I'm biased. I've known Fitzy and his family for a long, long time down here in the Gong. He's a quality bloke, great family, good footy mind as a player, long stint at the Roosters. Um, if they're going to have success at Cronulla, they're more likely to have it under Craig Fitzgibbon than many others. So why not lock him away long term? And yeah, the Sharkies this week, they're in that second leg at Belmore at Canterbury, where we get to see Viliami kick out for the dogs to beat a Pangai, reset, recharged mm. over the off-season, maybe. And I'm just looking forward to seeing the Dallium medalist, Nico Hines, again after his All-Stars heroics last weekend back in club colours. So you're right, it's all about the youngsters, I suppose, in week one, the, the depth of the club. But in week two, we get to see some of these stars parachute back into the lineups, and there's just a few in that Canterbury Cronulla game. Yep, we've got Charity Shield coming up this weekend as well. I, I can see that 2am, Tommy's just slipped a question in here, and I know it's him because it's all about oh, here we go. the Roosters. James Tedesco has declared that anything short of a premiership for the Roosters is a failure for this season. Uh, I, I've got them, I'm tipping them for big things. I, I won't go as far as to say they're going to win the competition, but, you know, they're. they're a top two side for me, the Roosters this year. You sure Arpy Corusau didn't say that? Anything but a premiership <laughs> is a failure. <laughs> Who was it again? Uh, look, I know that the Roosters will be there. Um, they're, they've got a great team on paper. Uh, they've got all the uh, set up around them from the coach, the administration down. You see what they did um, last season and over a long period of time. You speak to the experts and Every second one is saying, oh, I think it's the Roosters. Um, for what it's worth, you know, I think, why can't you still look at Penrith? You know, they dominated the competition last year to the extent that they can lose plays, you imagine, and still be competitive. And that's not allowing for the next wave of talented youngsters to come into the lineup. So um, I'm not going to jump away from the reigning premiers too quickly and pushed right now to come up with a team that can win the comp. I'm still going to go with the Panthers to go three in a row. Before we let you go, uh, you were at this game last night, the Kings and the Taipans, a uh, cracking game of basketball, and the Kings down by 12, and, and they came into this final series with a bit of a break and off the back of a couple of losses. Uh, 
but they are champions for a reason. They've won only two of their last six games, yeah. Jules. They hadn't played for nine days. Their MVP, Xavier Cooks, had played 28 minutes in 16 days. And then at half time, Cairns led at 59-50, having led by double figures in the first half and seemed to have all the momentum. And you thought, hang on, there's an upset brewing here. But the good coach that Chase Buford is assembled the troops at the major break, obviously had a reset. They went from conceding mid-20s and 33 points in the second quarter to just 10 in the third. And that's a sign of a good team, I think, to make the adjustments to handle a bit of adversity. And in the blink of an eye, it was Sydney back in front, Sydney with the momentum. And boy, uh, Xavier Cooks, another couple of, as Andrew Gaze would say, hellacious dunks. He has delivered highlight after highlight this season. <laughs> I did notice last night that both the big dunks were right in front of his girlfriend, which may or may not have been coincidence. But good luck to Xavier Cooks and the Kings. They came back to win in the end pretty comfortably. 95-87, they go to cans tomorrow night trying to sweep the series and go into another grand final series. Yeah, he showed wise the MVP, Xavier Cooks. Always good to chat. Great to catch up with you, Matty, for the first time this year, mate, and we'll chat throughout the season. We'll catch your work on Fox Sports. Good on you, Jules. Here he is. Matt Russell, 0457 736 736. This quick text before the break. Uh, Ashman, good morning to you, my friend. Nathan Brown, a very popular name in AFL and NRL circus. Yeah, of course, Nathan Brown, the coach, former Dragons player. Nathan Brown, the is he a former eel? Is he still an eel? Do we know where he's going to end up? Nathan Brown, what's the latest on that front? And then Nathan Brown, the Richmond legend. 0457 736 736, the text line number. Jill's in the chair for Matty White this Thursday morning. Uh, we'll have a bit more chat time for your calls and your texts. And then later on this hour, we'll catch up with Sam Highland, SEN track analyst. I think Nature Strip's running around this weekend, so we'll try and get some tips for you, some top tips with Sam Highland. In about 15 minutes' time on the program. Now, Jason texted us in the last hour. He said, Jules, you went to Sting. What about celebrities that share names with sports stars? So Sting, the singer, Sting the wrestler. He said, Paul Kelly, great Australian singer-songwriter. Paul Kelly, the Aussie rules player. We had a few nominations coming in. The likes of, I said, Steve Rogers, Captain America, a.k.a. Matt Rogers' dad, Cronulla Sharks legend. Played a couple of years with the Mighty Dragons too, Stevie Rogers. Wonderful Footballer he was. Howie says that my favourite player was Mark Harris of East and the man from Atlantis TV series. He was Mark Harris. He was Space Ghost. Good morning to you. Disappointing, Jules, to hear that Happy Coruscant in doubt for round one after pick up an injury in training. Makes me think that maybe the training regimes are a bit excessive, especially this close to the start of the season. Thinking back to my playing days, I certainly can't remember missing an opening game of the season for the mighty Winston Hills Bears. Due to an injury caused by excessive training, I do, however, remember excessive cramping and general soreness due to lack of any type of fitness. I guess it's a balancing act. Up the tiger, says Space Ghost. Well, we don't know if it's an existing thing there for Appy. These things can happen. But that seems to be the the trend now, doesn't it? You, you flog them, absolutely flog them at the start of the season so they're super fit when they need to be. Just on the Winston Hills Bears, that's um, the soccer club that my son plays for. The mighty under-8s Winston Hills Bears. And they changed colours one year, the Black Bears and the yellow bears and polar bears or something. So go the mighty Winston Hills bears. Uh, morning, Jules. A lot of the critics are saying that Head only has a 13-run average in India, but heck, those 13-run minimum would have come in handy the last test. Well, not even in India. Subcontinent, he's, he's never played a test in India. Adelaide Rooster. So they're going off his record in Pakistan, Sri Lanka, which, to be fair, wasn't great. But as Alan Border rightly said this morning, I said, well, you've got to give him a chance. His form is that good. You've got to have a chance. And you would assume that he's improved since then after a dominant home summer. Give Head a crack as open, you reckon. Warner should have retired after his 200 
in well, Melbourne. Thank him for his service. What I also don't understand is Warner has been raking in millions for his T20 on those pitches, so he should be used to them. Completely different pitches in T20 cricket compared to Test cricket, though. So in T20, they're flat as a tack. It's all geared around the batting, so you can't really compare uh, Adelaide Roos to the pitches that they prepare for T20 against the pitches for Test cricket. G'day, Jules. How about Gary Ablett? Ah, thank you, Statsy. I mentioned that to um, to the third banana, the mad Russian Alex, the seal. He said, Gary, it, it was in the back of my mind. He said, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. But you've clarified that. Yeah, it was. I was right. You know, you back your instinct, Statsy. Obviously, we know the father-son combo from Geelong, but Gary Ablett was a very good soccer player for Liverpool and Everton winning the FA Cup in 1992 with Everton. Gee, happier days for the Toffees. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2012 at the young age of 46 to non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Thank you, Statsy. Appreciate that. 0457 736 736. And a quick one before we get to the news headlines. Uh, Head deserved a chance to play. And given the first test wicket played exactly as expected, three spitters should have been picked. Oh, no, we've done that. Thank you so much for that, Dimmy. I still disagree with picking three spinners. Anthony, I coached the Mighty Bears to the under-17 champion of champions title back in 2016. Go the Winstow Bears. You know what? Free plug. We're all behind the Winston Hills Bears on the program this morning. Let's get the news headlines. To the open line we go. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 11 70 Morning, Greg. Morning, Jules. How you going? I'm in fine fettle, Greg. Mate, the, uh, while on the subject of the Winston Hills Bears, mm. they are the junior or grassroots club of at least two Socceroos. Who? That I know of. Who? One of whom is Hayden Fox, the assistant coach, I think, for Western United. Yeah, proud and redhead, if my Foxy. Memory serves me, if my memory serves me correctly, the other one is the Wanderers goalkeeper, Lawrence Thomas. Is that right? I know you're a doyen of well, all things. If you things. go to my website, you can, you, can get, you can get that information. It's all there. It's just not on the top of my head. Hang on. What's your website, Greg? And how how is this the first time I'm hearing of it? Mate, it's called the Grassroots. Oh, sorry, you just dropped dial out. Up all the W's. Say that again. If you dial in all, it's called the Grassroots Football Project. Great. Grassrootsfootballproject.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'll check that out. You know, our, our great mate here, Bozza, very kindly last year, I said, Bozza, look, uh, the Winston Hills, mighty Winston Hills Black Bears, they, they struggled. They got thumped in their first game and they improved markedly. So Bozza, very kindly did a nice little inspirational video for them. I showed the team. Do you think they could have cared? No. Nah. They go, who's that? He played for Australia. He's one of our great guys. Yeah, right, whatever. Who's, he goes, look, I played for Manchester United and I played for Chelsea and all these clubs and Aston Villa, probably before you were born, but, hey, stick at it, have some fun. I hear you're improving. It was a lovely, lovely gesture by Bozzer. And they, they, so, they could, so the coach, Matt, who does a bit of horse training, a good fella, he was like, how could this, Bozzer? And the kids are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Very funny. So how did they go second time around? Uh, mate, they finished... You know, I, I compare them to Spurs. They're never going to win the thing, but they'll they'll be solid. Challenge, create the odd upset. Uh, so they're they're kind of a, the equivalent of better than a whole lot of. Yes, exactly. Well, remember Tottenham for years were just uh, brilliant at finishing eleventh, I think it was. Yeah, so they're sort of a bit more new age Tottenham. No real Harry Kane, but uh, no, they're reasonable. They're reasonable. They stick again this year before they get a bit old and they start being graded. And at the end of the day, you know, they don't. They don't officially keep score. They generally know who wins and loses. But they just want to play with their mates, Greg, and that's the most important thing. That's the only reason that my son's coming back. Do I get to play with my friends again? And that's the key to grassroots. Yep. 
mate. And if you've got a club that's prepared to keep all the kids together, then that's a big bonus. Correct. And they do the bacon and egg roll. They do the bacon egg roll for only like three bucks fifty, I think it is. So it's an absolute steal in this uh, inflated economy, Greg. So there you go. Go the Winston Hills Bears. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Joe. There is Greg from San Susie. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Hello, Cuzzy. Hey, how are you, mate? Good, brother. Hey, well, before I talk about what I was going to talk about, yeah. what about Alan Jones, the Wallaby coach, and Alan Jones, the Formula World champion? Really? How do we miss Alan Jones and Alan Jones? Well, it's unbelievable. This fellow just drives his car very fast, round and round, eh? Extraordinary. Extraordinary, this bloke. And they spell it the same way as well, just the one L, Alan Jones. Nice nom, Cuzzy. Yep. Thank you. That, now, I want to talk about, so I talk about Peter Bowl for a well, minute. Sure. Well, it, what? Okay, obviously his name's been besmirched, right? Mm. We know that, right? So what WADA needs to do, WADA needs to change their policy, right? So if someone tests positive on A, they don't provisionally suspend them. They keep playing whatever sport it is. Uh, and if B comes up negative, then no one's name's besmirched. If it comes up positive, then okay, he's suspended. If he's broken any records, they get taken out. All right, because the way it is at the moment, like, I know with the herd on Patton Hills, even the urine test is only 60 to 70% accurate. Mm-hmm. Blood is only 93. And, you know, they've got that biological athletic passport, right? It, it only checks about seven bio... It's got about seven biomarkers, right? And if any of them change, that's when they start looking. So even though I reckon that can be manipulated by, you know, coaches at the moment who are trying to do the wrong thing, all right? But the scientists now at IOC, they're working on genetic sequencing, and that's going to have a 1,000 biomarkers make it almost impossible to cheat. Yeah. All right? So that's what they're working on at the moment, because at the moment, like, you look at Peter... Like I was at tennis last week, and one of the things we discussed, oh, Peter Bowles, A-test, oh, it's not going to come back negative. But it does sometimes, and then there's too much room for error, and look at his name now. It's been tarnished. Yeah, well, on the balance of probabilities, I said, well, the provisionally suspend after a, an A test, Kazi, because the bulk of the time the B will come back and confirm what the A says. You're suggesting, though, that, well, you know what? Let him compete. And if the B test says, indeed, you are guilty, then strip him. But, but that also affects the integrity of, you know, if they're allowed to race, while, as later proven that they are indeed doping, oh, that, that also throws a spanner in the works. So, look, I don't think there's a... You know, there's a, an obvious solution to this, but, you know, they arrived at whatever decision they arrived at for a, a reason. Cuzzy, I've got to fly. Uh, very thoughtful call, though. Thank you. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Uh Jack, just back to this topic about, yes, those that share that. Uh, Michael Jordan and Michael B. Jordan. The act, that's a really good one. I've seen the ads for Creed Three. Looks so good. Is, uh, is Stallone in it playing Rocky? Little Rocky cameo, Tommy? No, he's not. He's actually very upset about Creed Three. Um, being that made right? because he's not getting any, I believe, royalties or any um, uh, payments from it because it's essentially a, it's a sequel or a, then a spin-off from the original Rocky series. So. We get something though because Creed was, I mean, Rocky. But I guess I guess wrote the original Rocky. Yes, and won the yes, Oscar for it. yes. And they didn't they didn't consult him about making Creed three, so he didn't want it being made. And they the studio had, oh, I believe, the IP yeah. rights to do it. And he's kind of been shut off by all the production, all the development, and he's publicly said he doesn't support the movie. That's disappointing. 
there. Do you reckon secretly? I refuse to watch this, but in, just secretly he's going to go. Oh, he's definitely going to watch it. Go, oh, yeah. I'm going to watch it. 100% I'm going to watch it. I like the Creed movies. They're I like great. the last one too, that Drago's son. Yeah. It takes you back to, to Rocky IV. They're you know, great managed movies. To, you know, in one boxing bout, managed to solve the Cold War issues. So uh, that's how good he is. What a great American. You know that it's a poll of Americans, and I can't remember the percentage, but a massive percentage thought that Rocky Balboa was a real boxer. I'm not surprised. Not a fictional hey, character. Speaking of movies, you spoke oh, about... Good, good morning, by the yes, way. Good, good morning to you, to Alex, and uh, all of our listeners. listeners. Um, you were speaking about Raquel Welsh. Raquel so Welsh. My first, I don't want to say meeting, but you know, knowledge of Raquel Welsh was from the great movie Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And so she was on the poster that she eventually was. Andy Dufresne puts up and he gets escapes with. Now, I need your help and the listeners' help. When Andy Dufresne is tunneling through the prison, nights in, nights out to plan his escape, how does he get the poster back up when he's inside the tunnel? So, well, they didn't have blue tack back in the day, dear No, I and doubt it was, it. So it was pinned on the bottom corners is what you said. It was saying. pinned on the bottom corners so and the top corners. So it's not as though he just slips it up. No. Like a lid. So how like does a doggy it, door. It's always been something that's bugged me. The little nitpick I've got about the movie. How does he get it back up perfectly I really every wish you hadn't brought that up because this is the sort of thing that will gnaw away at me for the remaining well, This is why we've got the listeners. They can help us with it. Uh, if you've got a logical explanation, Shawshank Redemption. So he tunnels through. It's a, a poster of Raquel Welsh. Is it Raquel Welsh? I think it's Raquel. Is it Raquel or Raquel? I say Raquel. Post a Raquel Welsh. If he tunnels through each night, he digs a bit out with a spoon or whatever it is. How does he then pin the bottom two corners of the poster down? Yeah. How is that possible? Because at the end where the prison warden starts picking the little chest pieces or the stones that it perforates the poster, Mm -hmm. said, hang on, how is that possible? And he lifts it up to see uh, there's a tunnel behind it. So in the process of lifting up the poster, or do they rip it? I can't quite recall. But you're saying that the poster is pinned on the bottom two corners and you don't know how he does it from no. inside the tunnel. No. That's a very good point. It's probably going to be very obvious once someone points it out on the text line, but mm. let me know, please. Can we get Tim Roberts on the phone? Is that possible? Have a think about that. 0457 736 736. Another nom here, Cam Smith, the golf. Uh, <laughs> Cam Smith, the golf, and Cam Smith, the referee. There's always one. Thank you, 360. Yeah, Jules in the chair for Matty White. Uh, we've got a few solutions or theories as to how Andy Dufresne managed to stick the Raquel Welsh poster back down after tunnelling his way out of the prison. We'll get back to that in a moment because we're going to try and back a few winners for you this weekend with Sam Hyland, SEN track analyst. Uh, Nature Strip's back in, in the running, which is going to be fascinating to watch. He's on the line right now. G'day, Sammy. G'day, Jules. Uh, yeah, looking forward to, to a big weekend. I mean, uh, I'll tell you what, it seems like... Uh, well, it seems like we just have spring carnival. We have a bit of party time over Christmas, and then next thing it's on, autumn carnival's up and about. And, gee, we've got some good racing uh, right around the country. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of racing uh, in Queensland running into this weekend. Gold Coast, Poly Track, Eagle Farm, Home Hill, Rockhampton, Roma, Toowoomba, Saturday night. They are on all <laughs> over the place in Queensland. You're loving it, Sammy. And Take then, a breath. Take a breath. You're that excited. Hey, what are we starting there in, in Brisbane? Eagle Farm, race two. This is the 1,600-metre Gallopers Sports Club handicap. Yeah, gee, I reckon uh, Tears of Love's a good bet in this race. So we'll get us off to a, a ripper start for the day. $6.50. This horse is in great form. He loves the track. He loves this trip. Gets three kilos weight relief off with Mal- Malia Castle, who's riding really well at the moment. She's on board. Uh, gee, I think this is uh, this is his race. So, tears of love, it'll win. Good value as well. Uh, what about race four over 2,200 metres, the dual race day march? 
Another one that's a bit of value is number four, Tappy's Lad. Uh, you can get this at $7.50. Uh, set got a postage stamp on its back, this, with Mark Duplessis on board, <laughs> or to his colleagues, Mark 2 plus 3. But I think this Tappy, it's a tough, hardy Kiwi. It uh, goes well in any conditions. Uh, it's drawn to have a sweet run in this. It'll give it a great sight. It'll, it'll be hard to beat. And then race eight, the 1,000-metre sprint. Uh, the bopper favourite at the moment, paying two seventy. Yeah, Boom Nova I'm with. Uh, first up today, for, or first up this weekend for um, the month's camp, $3.40 you can get it. She's got a bit of class about her. You know, Jules, she went round in, in uh, a couple of mares races last last uh, preparation uh, in Sydney and I tell you what she was not disgraced they were good races uh, she loves this track she's uh, you know she's my best of the day I think she'll be winning Boom Nova race 8 number 3 Boom Nova beautiful let's write that down now for those that are looking at Sydney Rose Hill race 2 the $1500 midway sprint true crime at the moment paying $4 yeah a bit of value here let's build a bank early uh Race two, Miracle Spin, uh, $11. Um, uh, you can get that this morning. This mare, it races in the Prince of Penzance yeah. colours. Uh, Andy right? McGregor's horse. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, first up, it'll be improved with the time under her belt. I think it can be winning this race. It's handy enough galloper, Miracle Spin, and it'll be better into this preparation. So it'll be worth following uh, whatever she does on Saturday, but I reckon it'll win. Yeah, wow, eleven dollars. Uh, Rose Hill race six thirteen hundred meter sprint. The favourite uh, Mariama dollar ninety. Pretty short. Yeah, this is uh, this is the Millie Fox, and uh, gee, I love this man. Number three, Expat. Uh, first up, she's won two from four. First up, she's good bit of stuff, and I think she's really pl- well placed in this race. So if she can run a bottler in the Millie Fox. Uh, number three, Expat. Okay, great. And then Roseville race heaven, race seven, the ninety hundred meter Parramatta Cup, the favourite King Frankel. It's a nice. It's just a winner's sounding name, isn't it? At four dollars. That's it. I think uh, it'll be a big day out for uh, the New- Newham Schiller combination uh, because they're teaming up uh, with Expat and the Millie Fox, and then they'll just roll onto the Parramatta Cup uh, with King Frank- Frankel. He's beautifully bred. Got a fantastic record. He'll be up on speed. I would think he'll lead this race. He'll show a clean set of heels. I don't think they'll catch him. I think he'll just keep bowling along. Uh, just a quick word. How's Nature Strip going to go? Uh, I think, look, it doesn't matter what he rolls around in Nature Strip. I think he'll be, um, he's hard to beat. And he's, he's, he's a quirky enough horse, though, isn't he, Jules? And mm. I'll tell you what, um, you know, he's getting a bit long in the tooth now. Um, so... You know, it's 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 got to he's got to he's got to pull up sooner or later, doesn't he? You know, so I'm, you know, I'm 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 going to say that, um, you know, we've definitely seen the best of Nature Strip, uh, but he's yeah, he, he's such a good horse, isn't he? Yeah, brilliant horse. Yeah, it's a great field too. That's the uh, the Black Caviar Lightning Stakes, uh, Flemington, on Saturday, four twenty. So your best of the day, Eagle Farm Race Eight, Boom Nova. We'll jot all this down. Thanks for all the value. Uh, looking forward to this, as you said uh, rightly. Uh, build the bank. Happy punting. Good on you, Sam. Thanks, Jules. There he is. Sam Hyland, SEN Track Analyst. So some good value there for you. So Eagle Farm Race 2, Tears of Love. Uh, Eagle Farm Race 4, number 4, Tapper's Lad. Uh, number 8, Boom Nova. That's his best of the day. In Rose Hill, Race 2, likes Miracle Spin. Race 6, number 3, uh, Expat. And King Frankel in the 7th. 0457 736 736. Uh, Alan from Castle Hill.
says the poster in Shawshank Redemption is not pinned at the bottom, simply hanging there. Well, Thomas, you're going to have to go review this because you were adamant it was pinned. It's been a while since I've seen that film. I think when they did this, you know how they do these sit down with players at the start? Oh, what's your favourite food and your favourite movie? And I don't know if it was a sport in particular that put a ban on anybody saying Shawshank Redemption because every second, oh, it's got to be Shawshank Redemption. So please, can somebody give us a movie, a great movie that's not Shawshank Redemption? So Stephen King wrote the book, the Shawshank and Rita Hayworth at Redemption. So we'll double check that. Thank you, Alan. Port Macquarie Pearl says the warden just throws a small rock through the poster, so not being pinned at the bottom, would it matter? But we just want to determine if it was. And if it was indeed pinned at the bottom, Port Macquarie Pearl, how does he pin it from the inside? Sharky, in jail, they make their own glue for different reasons. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Thank you. He also suggested, Sharky, double-sided sticky tape. Now, I'm not sure Morgan Freeman's character smuggled in double-sided sticky tape to the Shawshank prison. Jason from Blacktown, he had help from Red inside job. Said, you reckon that he's gone through and Red in the middle of the night, but how does he get into his cell? Because the cells are locked, Jason. So I've just thrown a rock for your poster. Another one here, double-sided tape. Thank you. I'm not sure that's that's the right answer. But now you've, you're confused who I am, Tommy, because he's now looking at this scene again to determine whether it was indeed pinned at the bottom. Breaking back with more Mornings with Jules. Look, we're slowly getting to the bottom of this perplexing mystery when it comes to the Raquel Welsh, pulse, Raquel Welsh poster in Shawshank Redemption. Some are saying it wasn't pinned. Some are saying it's pinned on one side. Uh, there's been a whole thesis written about it. Well, the flesh of that out more after the news. Luke Bratton from Sydney FC is going to join us in the next hour. And Tommy's Tribune, folks, 0457 736 736. Pop on the text line now. We want your headlines for Tommy's Tribune this Thursday. Uh, topics of a discussion, the second test, Australia and India, the pre-season challenge, as well as Appy Corusau being named the Tigers captain. We've got a d- double pass to give away as well to the Waratahs uh, VACT Brummies next Friday night at Allianz Stadium. Don't forget today, SEN proudly supporting the Waratahs. They are back home, as we mentioned, Allianz Stadium 2023. Secure, secure your membership now at New South Wales Rugby. Double pass to give away. And, of course, a Signa Boost Power Bank on the program. We've got the news coming up at 11 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time and back with a stack more of the final hour of the program for the final time this week. Jules in the chair for Matty White this Thursday. Welcome back. Final hour of the program, 1170 SEN in Sydney. And our Queensland listeners, they with us right now, Tommy. Good morning to our friends in Queensland, north of the Tweed, tuning in via SENQ in Bris Vegas, SEN 1620 on the Gold Coast. And everyone listening via the SEN app, that open line number 1300 01 1170. And the text line 0457 736 736. Don't forget to get those nominations coming in for Tommy's Tribune. So I want your headlines, Toby's Tribune today. Uh, let's look at the second test, Australia v India in Delhi, the pre-season challenge, and Appy Corusau been named Tigers captain. So there's three topics for you. Tommy's Tribune, text us in now. We've got a double pass to give away to the Waratahs and the Brummies that gets underway the Super Rugby season uh, next weekend. Allianz Stadium, and on top of that, a Signet Boost Power Bank. Now, a media release from the Rugby League Players Association. This came through... At about quarter to 11, quarter to 10 in Queensland. To clarify recent media reporting that has caused confusion, the RLPA has not received, not received a new financial offer from the ARL Commission and NRL in 2023. For the avoidance of doubt, a financial offer from the ARLC is a total figure that captures all the players' salaries, benefits and fundings for programs. The last financial offer the RLPA received from the Rugby League Commission and the NRL was on December 23rd, 2022, for $1.347 billion. 
The financial offer on December 23rd for $1.347 billion is the same figure that has been reported yesterday and today as a new offer. In January 2023, the RLPA sent a counter-proposal to the ARLC and NRL. This counter-proposal did not request any additional money above the ARLC's financial offer from December 2022. So the Rugby League Commission's financial proposal was recycled and positioned as new information to the media, given the relative progress that was made during last week's negotiations, as well as Tuesday's official announcement of an in-principle agreement for NRLW financial terms, This does not help either party make further progress. The RLPA's counter-proposal, which does not request any additional money from the ARLC, is still before the NRL and capable of acceptance. We remain actively involved in bargaining this week. We will continue to negotiate on key areas important to players, including RLPA autonomy and agreement rights on core terms and conditions. There is still much more work to do as we continue to negotiate a joint CBA for NRLW and NRL players, which captures all their terms and conditions. So there you go, just as we feared, just as Brandy feared. And he made the point this morning, well, hang on a minute. This was leaked to the press. But there was no quote from any representative of the Rugby League Players Association. And now they've said, well, hang on. This was spun to the media as a new offer. It wasn't a new offer. It's the same offer as the one released prior to Christmas last year. We did not request any additional money. And you're suggesting that this is new information. So the party's perhaps not as close together as we thought. I mean, you just got to bang your head against a wall, don't you? So leaked to the media. This is the, the spin department in overdrive. But whoever thought it was a good idea to suggest that this was new and they'd reached some kind of agreement, well, they must have known that the RLPA weren't party to this and would come out with a counterstatement, as they've just done, as they did after the initial release of December 23, 2022. So I'll wait and see. Ah, I thought I smelled something. I thought I smelled something. Little box vaults passed. A few grease stains on it so you know it's got all the good stuff in there. Chargrill Charlie's, our great sponsors here. Chargrill Charlie's is arrived for lunch, so I don't need to buy lunch on the way home. Got that schnitty. Oh, bags of schnitty. I'll go your halves. And the char... Oh, how good are the chips? Having said that, I'm a plain salt man more than a chicken salt man, Thomas. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken. Who needs a win this weekend? Send them in. Who needs a win? David Warner. Needs a win this weekend, Jules. The cricketers need a win. Uh, Dragons don't necessarily need a win. To St. Helens, it's a long trip. They had a win against the Dragons. That doesn't really count. This is what they're here for, the World Club Challenge. They most certainly, well, they don't necessarily need a win, but he nice is that to take winning form against the best team. of the. They're going to need a win and plenty of water. And plenty of water as they go back to slightly colder conditions over there in England. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Our good friends, Chargrill Charlie's, has arrived. I'm salivating as we speak. We'll catch up with Lou Bratton from... Sydney FC shortly on the program. They've got Brisbane Raw coming up and uh, three wins on the trot, including the last few wins, the last couple of wins against Western Sydney Wanderers and Central Coast Mariners, two of their great rivals, and two teams that were firmly entrenched in the top four. So they got form. They have got form. Matt on the text line. Jules, yes, I'm all for loyalty. I would never drop line. I saw Crazier get eight for an India. What did he do after that? I respect all opinions, but some opinions like Borders must surely have more weight than, say, Bryce McGain. Not necessarily. Just because Border... He's played, you know, what, 156 test matches, one of all-time greats, and Bryce paid one. And he jokes about how Jacques Callas hit him to all parts of the ground. But does it mean because Borders played more that somehow it carries more weight? They're both elite cricketers in their own right. Anyway, 
You can agree, you can disagree. There's no ceiling of opinion on this program, indeed, this network, and that's what we love about the text line, so we can debate these selections. Debate with a great vigour, but do it, uh, do it with kindness as well. Alan. See, Alan's big on this, and a few people have said this. Posters hanging there, pinned from the top only. I'll bring you back because I want to get some kind of uh, determination on this matter when it comes to the Raquel Welsh post poster covering the hole, the tunnel dug by Andy Dufresne's Shawshank Redemption. You've been uh, furiously researching this during the break, Tommy Two Cents. <coughs> you're adamant. In fact, this was your topic. You're adamant it was pinned at the bottom. Now you're not so sure. Well, no, I still am adamant that it's pinned at the bottom. According to Alan, according to Port Macquarie Pearl, well, you look, who says pins it at the top, gravity holds it down, repins it after. It well, doesn't give you a great... Um, the movie doesn't give you a great kind of holistic view of the poster. It kind of zooms in and zooms out. They didn't have out. the wide shot. Yeah, they didn't have the wide shot. The director, Frank Darabont, didn't really like the wide shot. So the director, Frank I'm still going with the fact because otherwise it'd be blowing in the wind and any um, security guard walking past would see that it'd be blowing. Now, there's some... little drafty. Would yeah, you get a draft in that tunnel? There are some theories yeah, on. There are some theories online saying that it was pinned on one side, but then how can it be pinned on one side and then effectively cover the whole hole? Doesn't make a lot of then sense. Then the one corner would flip up. And he's digging that for 15 plus years. Like, that poster is getting ruined every single time you're putting it to the floor and getting picking creased. it back up. Yeah. Getting creased, holes in it. Like, that. it's not staying like that for that long. Let's be real. So you Because he had to have it for the whole time to cover the hole when so he was digging. So to the naked eye, the integrity of the Racker Welsh poster, poster didn't match the age or the no. age of it. Yeah. Goodness, no. Mm. So what's your conclusion here? Um, that it's just a big plot hole in the movie. 978 says he uses a magic wand, Jules. It's obvious. I just went and watched the clip. No suggestion at all. It was pinned at the bottom. I don't think we're any wiser after this discussion. I think we are. Yeah, he so. had to have the poster for the duration of the time that he was tunneling out, which was at least 15 years to 19 yeah. years, which means the poster must have been um, damaged in some condition and you watch it and it's not. Okay. So riddle me that. You uh, can't. Right. That's yeah. my theory. It's funny. Our movies aren't always an accurate representation <laughs> of life. You know, it's like those that dive at the very moment something explodes. Like yes. How do they know that? And it doesn't make their ears ring either. Uh, Matt. Jules, if in the world's a Rick Charlesworth, you can't ignore form. What about Matt Short as a replacement for Cam Green, player of the tournament BPL? What, in the test side? Averaging 43 in his last 11 innings, 104 not out for Queensland Marsh Cup. Look, great white ball player. He's only had what, one first-class century, though, Matt Short. Are you suggesting Matt Short's near the test team? Because uh, he's not Matt. Is that you, Matt Short, right again? <laughs> Got to back yourself. Uh, what about musician Prince? Now, we're talking about this. Yeah, sports stars that share their names. Off the back of Sting and the wrestler Sting. Uh, what about the musician Prince, the Prince Brian Lara, and the great Ashwell Prince from South Africa? Eh, we can do better. Our Space Ghost is back in touch. Jill's former soccer and West Ham player Hayden Chicka Fox, the second best striker to come through the Winston Bears system in the early 90s. Who was the first Space Ghost? Who was the first? You can't say second and tease me on the first. Greg from San Super, San Susie might. Texas in. Don't forget Tommy's Tribune. Get the headlines coming in. I want to talk about can be Warner, can be Australia v India, second test in Delhi, can be Coruscant's appointment as Tigers captain, and the NRL, the preseason challenge. Text those in now. Tommy's Tribune, 0457 736 736. Just before we get to Luke Bratton, our pins won't go into a stone wall. That poster wasn't the first, says James. I'm getting a headache. I'm getting a real headache. Uh, Jules in the chair for Matty White this Thursday morning. 
dare I say some people were death riding Sydney FC after a spluttering start to the season. But I tell you what, they found their mojo. Three wins on the trot and looking good for the finals. Currently sitting in fifth on the ladder. And a key member of their side is Luke Bratton, their midfielder. I'm pleased to say he's on the line right now. Luke, thanks for your time this morning. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Big win over arch rivals, the Wanderers, uh, last weekend of the derby. Uh, tell us, what what was the mood like in the camp after the win? Yeah, the the boys were buzzing. Um, obviously, the first derby didn't go um, the way we wanted it to. And, um, and you know, I think we in this in this game, we, we played really well. Um, I think first half, especially first 30 minutes, um, pretty much until Alfie went off, we, we were in control. We, we created the best chances and... Um, yeah, and obviously the Alfie going off, he's a, he's a huge player for us and it sort of ruined our rhythm a little bit. And um, We knew that they were going to come out, of course, um, for Derby, blah, blah, blah. They're going to have their, um, you know, their, their periods of, with the ball. But um, obviously we've done video on it now and um, don't want to talk too much about it. Obviously we need to move on. But yeah, I think we, we, we dominated um, and, and had the better chances. Luke, Brandon Borello's comments after the game, do you think that's going to provide some motivation going into the next derby in March? No, not at all, mate. It, it is what it is. Um, you know, obviously, after an emotional match and, um, you know, the stakes are high, all that sort of stuff, we, we both hate each other. It's um, That's normal for him to come, or for anyone, really, to, to come out and, and say something like that. Um, but like I said, we, we've done the video and, um, yeah, they, they had a lot of ball in the second half, but we we still had the the better chances and um, yeah it's is what it is mate we're not going to use that as motivation or anything like that it's just get on with it and next next time we play we we you know we we look at ourselves and um, yeah try and get the job done again. Now that win third in the row and that's coincided too with the return of Alex Wilkinson the talisman at the back. Just tell us about his importance. Yeah, look, everyone knows. Um, about Wilkes, um, his, his leadership, his uh, you know his, his presence at the back is is huge. Um, you know the the players that have, have come in when he's when he's been out have done a good job. Um, especially Gertie, the young boy, I think he was you know he was great. Um, but Wilkes just adds that that maturity, the leadership, the the constant communication. Um, yeah, he's he uh, was he was missed a lot. And, uh, like you said, now that he's 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 back and he's he's back fit and, and playing, it's, uh, yeah, it's helped us uh, immensely. I call him my second cousin. You've got Joel King back from his stint in Denmark. He's had a, a time with the Socceroos as well. Do you, do you think with his return that creates a bit of competition with Diego Caballo? Yeah, look, um, King, he's a, he's a great player. Obviously, he's, he's come back to, to try and get a bit of game time and, and help us out um, as well. And uh, yeah, he's uh, uh, not too sure if he's, he's ready to start yet, but uh, like you said, he's, he's added a bit of competition, and um, and that's always you know it, it drives the standard and, and lifts the uh, the standard at training and in games when when you know you got someone behind you pushing you. So it's 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 great for us to have that competition, and um, yeah, look, I think Diego's been good the last couple of games as well. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's healthy competition that you know it's, it's welcomed. And you yourself, Luke, you're back off an injury. I missed most of last season with that ACL. How good is it to be back on the park and just enjoying your football? Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, the, the injury is not great, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm back now and I'm I'm still still gathering my feet. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's been a uh, uh, what is it now around 16 or something like that. So 
I've got plenty of games under my under my belt now, and um, it's just about you know trying to trying to stay fit and and, and healthy. And um, yeah, I don't think I've I've been um, in incredible form. Um, but yeah, I, I do my job for the team, and uh, hopefully, you know, the the more games I play, the the better I get. Brisbane Raw coming up this weekend, and the last time you faced them, you were down two 0 inside twelve minutes. Went on to lose that match. So just tell us what's the difference now in mentality between the team then and the team now. Yeah, there, there's a big difference um, mentality wise. I think we're in a, we're in a better place now. Um, got some bodies back as well, and. Yeah, look, we we've we spoke about obviously after that game we spoke about it and uh, we know it wasn't good enough and we knew what to expect from them and, and we didn't deal with it. Um, so that's up to us as players to you know this this game we're we're going to expect the same thing. Um, you know they're they're going to sit in with a back five and and try and counter and they're going to come out um, firing at the start. So it's um, yeah we we're going to do the video and, and work on it this week and yeah. Um, Hopefully it's going to be a different um, different result this time. Any extra motivation against the club where you started your career under Ange and then Mike Mulvey? No, not at all. Um, it's just another game. Obviously that was a long time ago now, and um, yeah, they're, obviously it's a special club to me and all that. But it's, yeah, it's just another game, mate. Luke, great to chat. Thank you so much for your time today, and best of luck for the weekend. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. There he is, Sydney FC's Luke Bratton. And don't forget, football is here with $40 family passes available to the Isuzu Ute A-League men. T's and C's apply. Yeah, Chargrill Charlies. We love Chargrill Charlies. We mentioned that the box came in, a few greasy spots. Those those devil wings, those, that's deep fried goodness right there. How amazing, Jules, amazing. Yeah, please don't burp in the studio, Tommy. Now, listen, uh, you and your theory, uh, this has exploded the text line, Thomas. And I'm pleased to say that you haven't done your search. Read the Raquel Welsh poster in the movie. It was taped from the top. In a flashback, you can see Andy digging under the poster. It's one of several posters. This is the key, and a stack of people have written in saying uh, several posters. Rita Hayworth, Raquel Welsh, and somebody else. Of course, in the Stephen King book, Mr. Jingles, the Mouse and the Green Mile replaces the poster back in a thank you, Uncle. Going through this, Andy changes. Posters said Rita and Coffs. First one is Rita Hayworth. Probably had others over the years. If you know the movie, he changed the post. The good-looking girl at the time went up. Uh, Raquel's picture just happened to be the last one he broke out, so it wasn't there for the whole time. Charred from Brisbane. And on and on it goes. My sincerest apologies. As you said as well, I haven't watched the movie in a long time, but it was just something that, as soon as I heard the unfortunate news of Raquel Welsh passing, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Her poster in Shawshank Redemption. Louis, thank you. Three po- three posters. Rita Hayworth, Marilyn Monroe and Raquel Welsh. And on and on it goes. Multiple posters changing the girls. So it says Queen's Red Cowboy. There's a stack of others. So thank you for clarifying that. As we say, our listeners are our best researchers. A lot of people, there's more than one poster. We still haven't gotten to the bottom whether it was pinned. That's still, still, that's what I believe it was pinned at the bottom. So how did he do it top and bottom? We may never know. We may never know. I think we might put this issue to bed, shall we? Uh, start returning some sanity to proceedings. Of course, all eyes on Delhi for the second test. Now, Adam Collins, Barat Sundarace, and part of the commentary team. Jared is going to be back on deck as well for the Delhi test. Well, the two gentlemen, Colo and Barat, provided an update from Delhi ahead of the second test. 
Adam Collins, Brad Sandarace and SEN Test Cricket in the north of India. We're in Delhi, New Delhi. Uh, we're at the Kotla Stadium where the second test will start on Friday. We've been watching the extended Australian main practice session uh, and what we have seen is Mitchell Stark bowling full tilt out here for a long time. Cameron Green batting for a long stretch of time as well and a surface that's been, been used before to say the least. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to the surface in a while but yeah, Cam Green I think was a focus of uh, this net session. Uh, we saw him have a, a pretty long ball in the middle but it was more about him in the nets. Uh, so he faced a lot of throwdowns, especially from Michael Divinetto. Uh, there were a few balls where the ball struck the middle of the bat and it jarred his finger and you could see him wincing in pain. Uh, but more or less more positive than negative signs with Cam Green. I think it's just going to come down, Adam, to a question of whether Australia think a 70% fit Cam Green is better than no Cam Green. Because if Cam Green comes in, it changes the entire complexion of this team. It gives Australia so many options playing three spinners, two seamers, three seamers. So it really all rewards around him and his fitness. And to an extent, Stark as well. Stark said to us on our broadcast this morning, we spoke to him out in the middle of the ground, that he wasn't entirely sure whether he was fit to play this week. There was still some work to do with that tendon. Had to bowl without the, the cap on the top of his finger. I think he's cleared that hurdle. He bowled for ages out there in the middle of the ground. When you're at the back of the nets, I watched him again. Yeah. He was bowling at full tilt Mitchell Stark pace. Mm. And if he's available and fit, and Green's available and fit, well, suddenly they have good problems because if Green's available to play he could operate as the second seamer along with Cummins and enable three spinners. Matt Kuhneman's over here, Ashton Agar wasn't uh, used last week so that could present another opportunity. Oh, absolutely and Matt Kuhneman had a long ball as well. Uh, he came back after he'd had a hit with, with a bat and ball to Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne and there's a good feel about Matt Kuhneman. It's a lot like Todd Murphy. We saw a lot of both in Sri Lanka bowling to the, uh, the senior Australian batters in the net and they like facing these two. So if Kuhneman has been flown in as a replacement of Swepson at least for this test. Uh, like Andrew McDonald said, he's there's a live chance of him playing. And I have a sneaky little feeling that he might be closer to playing than not. Uh, and, but again, it comes back to Cam Green or unless Australia, Australia want to take a drastic chance by just playing one fast bowler, mm. which looks unlikely at the moment. Uh, but look, it looks like they haven't made their mind up and it doesn't surprise anyone. Uh, Mitchell Stark, like we said, is, I still can't believe he's been holding his ball between the, no. the index finger like and the ring finger and uh, which kind of looks politically incorrect uh, <laughs> as a bowling grip uh, but he he was bowling at full tilt I saw him knock the stumps over a few times he had a bat as well uh, so he just again like in you know, a Stark it's not just what Stark brings in with experience left arm pace reverse swing it will create a lot of rough for the off spinners a lot of right handers in the Indian side so uh, you know Mitchell Stark coming in will add a lot to this Australian team uh, but so will Cam Green. Uh, lastly the pitch I said it's been used that's on account of the, the mm. foot marks at both sides where we went, well, no one was meant to be taking pictures of the pitch up close. That was an edict that came through yep. earlier this morning. But up in the grandstand, you get a bit of a feel for it. Um, the black soil here, isn't it, in Delhi, which means that it can look worse than it actually is. Yes. India don't lose here. Um, often they've had quick test matches here, but equally they've had some long draws here as well. The most recent test match here in, in 2017 was a, a high-scoring affair where there were a couple of double hundreds. And there was one in 2015 against South Africa where in an alternate universe is still going on and A.B. De Villiers and Hashim Amla still batting, not getting out, not scoring runs. So, yeah, things can really, this pitch can, can die out 
much sooner than some other pitches around the country, which means that it'll be really difficult to score runs but also to take wickets. Uh, so it can go either way. It won't be a necessarily a repeat of Nagpur. A lot of people are fearing after having just seen a little bit of this pitch. It's it's different kind of soil. Uh, and one thing we will see is the ball starting to keep low as this game progresses. Yeah, it'll be a different kind of surface to last week. So when you do see pictures doing the rounds, do not jump to conclusions. Hey, we'll be here throughout the course of the week here at uh, the Kotla Stadium in Delhi. Adam Collins, Brett Sunderason on SEN Test Cricket. Can't wait. Independent, trustworthy and dazzling. Time now for Tommy's Tribune. You may have to, Thomas, revise those adjectives. Independent, trustworthy and dazzling after your spectacular failure when it comes to the Raquel Welsh poster. Yeah, come on, Tommy, free post. You should know that. Uh, just a quick one on that. Last one. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your correspondence. Uh, who'd have thought that a Reco Welsh poster in Shawshank Redemption would garner so much traction on the text line? The poster question is moot. Surely a man that can form a plan to escape a supermax prison can find a way to secure a poster. Uh, thank you to Mitch the Barbarian. <laughs> Good on you, Mitchy. All right, get those text nominations coming in. Tommy's Tribune, 0457 736 736. We have a double pass to give away to the Waratahs Brumbies game, Allianz Stadium, next Friday for the start of the Super Rugby season. Don't forget, of course, SEN proudly supporting the mighty New South Wales Waratahs. The Tars are back at home, Allianz Stadium, in 2023. Secure your membership now at NewSouthWales.rugby. A couple are coming in here. I'll tease you one. Delhi Daredevil. Heads counter-attack. Keeps Aussies in the hunt. What do you think of that, Tommy? Yeah? Thumbs up. Thank you very much. Delhi Dare. Because now they're Delhi Capitals, the IPL team, but formerly the Delhi Daredevils. I've got two. Go. <coughs> Steady Heady. Oh, so that's I think, good. I think Travis Head is going to come back in. Travis Heady, uh, Travis Head um, is going to be steady Heady. Okay. It's sort of the opposite of me painting Travis Head as a daredevil. And Cavalier. Magical Murphy. Mm. Todd Murphy, I think he retains his spot in the side, and I think he will get another Pfeiffer in either the first or second innings. I think he's going to get another Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, well, I'm M- just, Michelle Murphy. I'm just rolling on with Todd. Okay. I believe in Sock. I believe in Steve O'Keefe. He's mm. been the great influence, the great inspiration, the great teacher for Todd Murphy. So I'm tipping big things for him. And I'm trying to come up with a headline for the World Club Challenge, but I think the line right now, Jules, do you want to take a rough guess at what the, what you think the line may be, the handicap between St. Helens and the Penrith Panthers? What is it? 18 and a half. Uh-huh. 18 and a half. So I think, I don't have a headline yet, but I think the Panthers win. And I think they win, I think they win by Four tries plus, like 24 points yeah, plus. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what sort of football they're willing to play. You know, did they go all out? I'm not really sure. Just on that, uh, Darren says, St. Helens take the money and run. Shock preseason winners. Gee, you're a more audacious tip than I have. Oh, Darren, you've been poo-pooed, unfortunately. Well, just, it's not really creative, is it? Take the money and run. I mean, eh. Sorry, Darren. Brett, Deli Belly lights fire and heady. Don't mind that, Brett. That's a pretty good one. Thank you for that. Uh, 0457 736 736. Just quickly, this uh, first test between England and New Zealand. New Zealand won the toss and elected to bowl first. Uh, of course, Tim Southey, the new captain after Kane Williams and stood down. He's only, what, 30-odd runs behind? 39 runs behind Ross Taylor to become the leading New Zealand test run scorer of all time. Okay. How about this one from John? Tommy Tribune. <laughs> Warner's whimper ends brilliant career. Who we dropped after this test. Is that, is that part of the headline here we dropped out of this? Warner's whimper ends brilliant career. Yeah, I think that's just a subheading there, ends brilliant. But you could just do Warner's whimper. I mean, we're all gunning for him. We're all hoping that he goes well, but... I don't think all of them are. I mean, I th- okay, majority of Aussie yeah. fans, because if he goes well, then we should go well and should win. 
But, I mean, you want to see him play well. I mean, it'd be his first test century in India. Well, if he plays well, it gives the Aussies a chance. Exactly. Winning, why would you back against it? I don't get I, I don't understand why people want to celebrate failure. Don't, a lot I, of people don't like people him. To fail. You know, don't manifest that. It'll come you back said at the start you. of the show, Jules, he's polarising and some people just don't like him. Let's hope Aussie cricket team doesn't become easy meat at Delhi. Oh, I see what you did there, Lee. Easy meat at Delhi. Yeah. So you want them to be like a like a ham rather than a brawn or a Devon. Well, I love Devon. How could anyone love Devon? It is foul. Devon. I, I never understand. This, but, oh, how good are Devon tomato sauce sandwiches? <coughs> we did this with my wife a couple of years back for fun. Let's go buy some Devon, some white bread tomato. Had a sandwich, two bites. I said, this is gross. White how bread, they... butter, Devon, it tomato is sauce. Horrible. It is fantastic. Oh, geez, cultivate your palate, Thomas. Well, I'm sorry Honestly. that I liked it when I was eight years old. I still like it now. Yeah, I but don't you still go, how it. good is Devon? When you're eight, when you didn't know any better. I'm not eating it every day, but every now and then you want a little Devon in your life. No, said no one ever. You said Devin, me Devin right Malcolm. now. Devon Malcolm. I'd go to Devon, lovely part of the world. 0457 736 736, Tommy's Tribune. So at the moment, I reckon, I don't mind this from, from Lee of Brisbane. So uh, easy meat at Delhi. Probably needs to be tidied up a little bit, but you dinged him, didn't you? Yeah, I dinged him. Yeah, dinged him. And then Warner's whimper ends brilliant career. Delhi, belly lights, fire and heady. In fact, Brett might be the front runner. Can I ask you, Jules? Yes. If Australia lose in kind of fantastic circumstances that they did in, in the first test, where we lose by an innings and what, – what was it? An innings and 91 runs or something it was in the first test mm. in Nagpur. Um, how many changes do you think we could see in coming? Because you've already mentioned if Warner doesn't, doesn't fire, he could be on the chopping block. I'm not saying Nathan Lyon, but maybe they could just risk. They could debut Matthew Kuhneman, let Nathan Lyon rest his body. Could do the same with Pat Cummins because they know the Test Series win is out of reach. Um, a draw would only let India retain the series. So if we lose in kind of big circumstances again, could you see more than one change coming in and just say, hey, Andrew McDonald, let's let's give a go to the, some of these youngsters? Yeah, I guess it, it also depends on the manner of the defeat um, and it also depends on the fitness of those because if Cam Green and, and Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood, for that matter, what if they don't come along and they're not even ready for the third test? Well, then you're really limited in your options, and in which case the wholesale changes uh, can't be forthcoming. So I guess we'll wait and see. You know, I expect a better showing. As you heard from our, that conversation there between Adam Collins and Bratson to race, and it's going to be a very different pitch to Nagpur. It'll be flat, but it, it won't be that, that, that wickedly spinning pitch that we saw in the first test. A few more coming in, Tommy's Tribune, uh, Berkeley Eagle. Roosters routed by Seabold Seagulls. Look, I don't like the headline, but I, I, don't, I don't like the yeah. prediction, but I like the headline. Uh, this is from Bulldog Bob. Good morning to you. Mystical Murphy and powerful Panthers pummel pathetic poms. Mystical. I went with magical. He's going with mystical. Yeah, I like that's it. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He's got a mystery ball top, Murphy. Powerful Panthers pummel pathetic poms. Uh, St. Helena erupts. Poms melt in mountain magma heat. That's really clever. And this one from Brett. Uh, Panthers play saints as saints turn sinners. I think that's that's the leader so far in the clubhouse, Brett. Saints turn sinners. That is very clever. Good on you. How about this one? Charity begins at Sloan. Tyrell comes of age. A plus B equals speed. Borders only pace. APIs KPIs, Captain Coruscant's key to success. I like the last one. APIs, KPIs, key to success. Pearl, Pearl is always one of the um, He's consistent ones. But charity begins at Sloan. I mean, are you really coming of age in the charity shield? 
It's just a trial Well, he had a good charity shield last year, so how good is this kid going to And then look be? what happened to your team. Fumbled a few, what, a few rounds into the season, got dropped. Great, for, Rams the, great for his confidence. What, to drop him? What, to drop him and yeah, then but he didn't bring have the him pedig- back in but on the bench? he didn't have the pedigree of a Travis zero, head. Play zero he? minutes. Didn't have the pedigree of a Travis You've got to let them fail at first grade, though. You can't just bring in and out and in and out. Cody Ramsey took his opportunity, didn't he? And then he came back for that match, uh, Magic Round game against the Titans. And again... Played well, but had some defensive lapses and some errors. In a ve- in the, the, the rain that they had up there was torrential. I said at the time they lost that in Golden Port, I think it was here, said this will come back to bite us on the bum. Yeah, it was season. the Jermaine Osako try in the corner oh, in Golden Point. Oh, stop it. So anyway, that was last year. Don't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want to talk about the Roosters' attack against <laughs> the Rabbitohs. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Some really good headlines there from you, Tommy's Tribune. Statsy just clarifying something. Um, I've watched the Shawshank Redemption over 150 times, so Tommy can't question me on this. While Andy Dufresne was digging out the tunnel, it was pinned on the top so he could hide behind the poster while scratching away with his rock hammer. But at the end, when the warden threw the stone, it was pinned on. All right. Keep reading. Keep reading. Is there more? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Pinned on all four corners. It was flush against the wall. While Tommy is right in suggesting the poster would be damaged with all the digging going on, we're talking about Hollywood where the truth never gets in the way. Of a good story. Uh, thank you, Statsy, for fresh water. I mean, there's been so many. I've got a thousand texts. So therefore, I'm... Jules, finish the sentence. Therefore, Tommy uh, let's just is call it a tie. correct. You're not allowed to ding yourself. Well, I think I can. I now sit in the panel operator's seat. So talking about sports stars and sharing their names with uh, celebrities. Brett Lee and the Greyhound. Brett Lee just spun from Asheville. That's very, <laughs> very funny. I've seen Brett Lee race. It was actually at at Winty and. Plug a locket was there. Uh, Jules, light melt is a big no. They have, don't have light cows. Full cream all the way. Good on you, Tim. You're a man after my own heart. Uh, Craig the Wild Panther, he loves it. Every time he, he tweets and stuff, puts a little the little footprints, little emojis. Uh, Craig the Wild Panther. Jules, St. Helens could start at the original 6pm kickoff. We'd still lap them. Another trophy heading to our jam-packed cabinet. Yeah, they're going to have to have a big cabinet on the, uh, on the track next door to Bluebet Stadium because there's a lot of trophies at the moment. I can't get into the World Club Challenge. I know it's big if you are the premiers and you're playing for it, but even when the Dragons, I remember the following year, I just didn't particularly. I went to the one in 2014 where Roosters played Wigan at uh, SFS. Pretty big crowd there. It was a good game. Yeah, Roosters lapped them. Yes, and I expect the Panthers to lap St. Helens. Jules, the Aussie team needs a win and sail GP. Ah, yes, Chargill Charlies, who needs a win? Um, Chargill Charlies. Uh, Saturday looks like a great breeze. These boats will be at full tilt. Can't wait. Jody from the lake. Good on you, Jody. Thank you very much. Morning, JK. Mitch Moses isn't worth that money. However, we are so thin in the halves, it's scary. We have some absolute gun juniors coming through on SG Ball and Harold Matz, but they are at least three years away. So for three years, yes, but not five for Mitch Moses, says Tiger Davo. That's a reasonable point you make. Jeremy, what's wrong with another fast bowling around like Marsh, Abbott, or Enrique? Well, he's had a few injury problems, Mitch Marsh. Uh, Moses, Sean Abbott, yeah, but they're not going to fly them over now. But I take your point. They were hoping Kangaroo would be right, and he hasn't kicked on as much as thought. Uh, Bulldog Bob, duplicate names. Not sure whether Steve Austin has been mentioned. Stone Cold from WWF and Steve Austin, the $6 million man. Yes, played by Lee Majors, also the full guy. We'll take a break. We're talking about uh, celebrities or people that share the same name. Well, coming up after midday, 11 o'clock in Queensland, on the great afternoon show, it's Appointment Radio with Jimmy Smith. Uh, Brian Fletcher, CEO of the Panthers, and of course their own Bears head. One's with the Y, one's with an I. I think a, a texter earlier mentioned that. Charlie Gamble from the Waratahs is coming up as well. Now, Craig, 
You say Devon and hot chips rolled up with sauce is fantastic. You're a twisted individual, Craig. Honestly. Eels Muzz. Loving the show this morning, gents. Berliner is better than Devon. Fresh white bread, butter and tomato sauce compulsory. I'll go with you on that, Eels Muzz. I do think Berliner is better than Devon. Devon's got that sort of flowery texture. It is gross. Berlina is that kind of sausage sort of thing, isn't it? Uh, um, who's it? JFK said, Ich bin ein Berliner. Trying to say, you know, I am a Berliner, but he actually said, I'm a sausage. He didn't quite get his German right. God bless you, JFK. Now, we love our friends here, Chargrill Charlie's. You know, I can still taste the, you know, the, the schnitzel mayo on my upper lip. It is magnificent. The chips have gone. The devil's wings are gone. The, the wedges have gone. Plain salt, of course, not chicken salt. That's my preference. Well, Chargrill Charlie's, did you see this? Invited the milk-swilling GWS giant Jason Gilby. Didn't that take off? To Chargrill Charlie's Bondi. This is on Valentine's Day. For a date with his number one love, milk. Can we establish whether he's just full cream? Oh, that's a full cream. The coaching staff there wouldn't allow him to drink light milk. Full cream, you know, strong bones and the rest of it. So Jason Gilby went to the milk bar at Chargrill Charlie's Bondi for a date with his number one love, milk. so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> Will Ferrell Hankerman. That's it. I just don't understand it. You sub out water for milk. Very, very odd. Anyway, whatever works for you, because he's a professional athlete, and I just talk about professional athletes. So who am I to be throwing stones? So yeah, Craig, you like uh, Devon hot chips rolled up with sauce. I don't mind milk, full cream, none of this almond milk nonsense, this oat milk nonsense, soy milk. Apparently it gives you man boobs, Alex. It does. And it's certainly not light milk. And there's plenty of light milk. So, Thomas, waste not, want not. Make sure you take those uh, jugs of light milk home before they expire. Um, for to- oh, We've got the Tommy's Tribune. Thank you so much. And there's a few more texts coming through. The Tigers can pay Mitch Moses more than the Eels because the Eels prioritise Dylan Brown. Well, the Tigers are promising or prioritising Mitch Moses before making an offer to Luke Brooks or Adam Dewey long-term. That is from Eddie. Fascinating to see which way this goes. Look, if gun to my head... I'll say he'll stay at Parramatta. He did say premierships mean more. But I did make the point the other week. I said, okay, well, at the moment, they're closer to a premiership. But you know that saying, to borrow a line from another Will Ferrell movie, you're not first, you're last, Talladega Nights. Are the Eels, let me ask you this question, the Eels going to win a comp in the next six years? They might make the top eight consistently, but are they genuinely going to win a comp? Do you think that? Because a lot of teams that go, they're a top eight team, but they're not a premiership team. I'm saying that about Parramatta. So if you're Mitchell Moses, and I know it's only a five-year contract, in five years' time, who's closer to a premiership, the Eels or the Tigers, or neither? Something to think about. Darren from Ingleburn. Hey, Daz, not too much luck to your South City Bunnies against my Mighty Dragons and Mudgee for the Charity Shield this weekend. Pretty decent side, too, that you've named. Uh, Jules, who needs a win? I'd say the Aussie cricket team, certainly, in the West Tigers. Sometimes when a team has struggled for a long time, a try win can give the fans a bit of hope. Yeah, look, it's just nice to get that feeling, isn't it? And as you say, you don't take a lot of stock in trial form, Darren, but it's nice to get that feeling because winning's a habit, losing's a habit, and you get so used to the losses that when you finally experience that win, oh, it's great. It's the old saying, why do we bang our heads against a brink wall? Because we like the feeling when we stop. And that's what it's like to be a fan of a rugby league team that has struggled in recent years. Good on you, Darren. Thank you, everybody who's texted in the program today. We have had so many. I have not been able to read them all out on air, but guarantee you that we do read every text message and we thank you for them. We'll take a break and wrap things up here on Mornings. Uh, Jimmy Smith, ready and raring to go. It's been a fun show today. Danny, thank you for your kind words on the text line. Thank you to everybody texting in and ringing on the show today. It has been fun. We talked about 
Rita Hayworth, Shawshank Redemption, and all sorts of funny stuff. Thank you to Alex. Thank you to 2AM Tommy. Thank you to our guests on the program today, Luke Bratton from Sydney FC, Bryce McGain, uh, former Australian cricketer and SEN commentator, Matty Russ from Fox League, and the boys over there in India, Adam Collins and Barat Sundarace. And have a great weekend and the rest of your week. In fact, everybody, good luck to your team in the trials. This weekend, just very quickly, I've got to give a shout-out to David Penner, former Souths and Parramatta player. My second cousin, actually, married into the Penner family. He's a new coach of the Tweed Seagulls, Dave Penner. He's had a pretty decent resume, of course. Uh, spent a bit of time at, at Manly and the Dogs and uh, various other teams. Also, fun fact, is the uncle of Madeline Penner, who plays for the Adelaide Strikers in the uh, WBBL. Of course, they are the WBBL champions, so there you go. So on you, Dave. He's looking fit and he's enjoying life on the Gold Coast. Great show today. Thank you, everybody, for your calls and contributions. Uh, yes, I'm going to leave you with a bit of sting to take out. So New Zealand won the toss, selected the field. We've got Englishman in New Zealand. This is the closest I could find. Englishman in New York by sting. Stay safe, everyone. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. I'm an Englishman in New York. Say